Welcome in, folks. We have a lot of news today. Um, my megaphone has returned this week, where we will cover a lot of things. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, we're going to cover that. We're going to cover Dalvin Cook. Of course, all the news happens in the same day. Uh, but luckily, it was before, the day before we did the show, so we have an opportunity to cover it. I have heard people are saying that they don't like intros. People are saying that. You know, maybe I should listen. Dynasty Trades in 5 gets 700 viewers a week, and we get 20. So maybe they're doing it right, and we're doing it wrong. So let's uh, jump straight into the Ezekiel Elliott situation. So he signed with the Patriots on a one-year deal. It's up to $6 million with incentive, $3 million base, $1 million signing bonus, so $4 million guaranteed, and the rest of the $2 million is incentives. Uh, it's not a very big deal, but no. it's like medium-sized, I would say. Uh, probably almost exactly what I expected him to sign for, like four and two with incentives is about right. So... I have my uh, redraft ranks changes on the show sheet and Dynasty as well. But what do you guys think about Ezekiel Elliott going to the Patriots? What do we think about that? Honestly, for me, it doesn't really bump Ramondre Stevenson down that much. I mean, looking at where Zeke could make an impact, the only place he really could for me personally is on the goal line. Zeke on the goal line obviously could make an impact because he's a really good goal line back. He's a bigger guy. He's powerful. He's strong. And he took those opportunities away from Pollard a little bit last year. And so Ramondre might get Vulture some touchdowns this year, but I don't think he's going to take the receiving work. Ramondre saw 88 targets, caught 69 balls last year, and Zeke took a clear backseat to Pollard in the receiving game last year. So I expect the same to happen in New England. And Ramondre is just overall a better runner, a better player, and a better everything than Zeke is right now. And the only way he, the only way Zeke kind of maybe matches him is on the goal line. So that's the only place Zeke will work in. This is more of a depth add than anything to me. So I'm Ramondre is still like a back-end RB1, maybe a fringe top 15 option in fantasy football. He might be a little bit inconsistent uh, because of vulturing touchdowns from Zeke, but I still have plenty of confidence in Ramondre this year and for the future if he signs an extension with the with the Patriots. Yeah. I um, So I barely moved Ramondre Stevenson. I moved him yeah, from barely. running back 9 to running back 10. But I did move him in redraft uh, down a tier – and since most people just draft linear, linearly, that means that I will not have any Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think, because I would rather have – he's moved down from the higher tier to the lower tier where I'd still rather have guys like wide receivers like Olave, Higgins, Devonta Smith over Ramondre Stevenson, which means I won't have agree. It was always that way for me, though. Uh, well, I thought that if they added nobody, he would have been in the higher tier for me. Yeah, been I, in the higher I just tier. always – yeah, I agree with there. I just always expected somebody to be added. I always ranked him for redraft and thought about him for redraft like somebody was going to be added. Well, there were better scenarios. I mean, it could have been. Oh, yeah. Fournette and Darryl Williams. Fournette, uh, and Fournette wouldn't have mattered. Fournette would have been the same. Fournette, the only thing with Fournette is that he caught a lot of passes last year. I feel like he might yeah, work. But Fournette in sucks. But... <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have the competition on in the passing game than the competition on the goal line. Competition on the goal line is bad. That's where the ceiling comes from. If, if he doesn't score seven touchdowns, he's not going to be top eight. I pretty much. I think he scored. Year. I think he scored six last year. Actually, he's, he only he, had five on the he, ground. One. Yeah, in the but air. he was in points per game. He was like RB thirteen. He needs there, yeah. to have 
more touchdowns in order to have that top five. I mean, if you draft him at RB8, he better have a top five ceiling in points per game. He doesn't have that now. I think it's gone. Yeah. The the thing that I do like, though, is hopefully with the Patriots moving on from Matt Patricia and their offensive coordinator, just total crapshoot that was last year where they were stuck throwing screen passes and balls five yards downfield. Hopefully that'll open up the run game more for Ramondre Stevenson so that his yards per carry should should increase due to not seeing such stacked boxes and, and stacked fronts um, as we saw last year uh, when people played the Patriots. Uh, yeah. So he he's a guy that for me, I, I kind of had him in that like redraft 12 to 14 range already. So I feel like I'm, I'm kind of with Hutch. I didn't really adjust my rankings with him. I kind of feel like I built in to your point, Hutch, like somebody coming in. I know there were better situations that could have happened, but um, I still feel like Zeke has a lot of wear and tear in those tires. I don't think we saw the same explosiveness from him the last two seasons. So I actually feel like that's, that's one of the safer ones. Like if Dalvin cook goes there, I'm much more concerned than I am with Zeke Elliott actually. So. Um. Yeah, I just feel that Ezekiel Elliott is something, as would Fournette or Hunt. To me, they were all the same. Uh, Dalvin Cook's the one who matters. Because, Dalvin Cook, yeah. Dalvin, yeah, Cook Dalvin Cook's the one who matters. We're going to get to that in a second. But, you know, I'm not really – I think people think overthink these things. They overthink, oh, well, it's going to be this type of role. Oh, it, this is – no. It's, there's going to be competition. There's going to be competition, and, you know, it's going to be some sort of competition. I think – Zeke, Fournette, and Hunt had about the same left in the tank. Zeke played the best of the three last year. So he would be the one I'm the most concerned about. Uh, Hunt was the worst by far. Oh, easily. Fournette was kind of in the middle. But, you know, that that would be a concern. Not a big concern. Now, what about Ezekiel Elliott, though? So I dropped Ezekiel Elliott in Scott Fishbowl at RB, like, I think it was RB. It was low. was RB, uh, let's see, 54. So I ranked him in PPR at RB46. What do we think about that ranking? I think that's I think that's fine. I mean, you know, he's got to get goal line work. He could get in the end zone a handful of times, but otherwise I just don't see him making an impact to this offense. So I, I agree. And it, I mean, if Ramondre would ever go down, you know, Zeke has a big time role in front of him, but he really isn't going to be a consistent fantasy option at all unless he has a ridiculous amount of touchdowns which i don't see coming i think name value alone is going to drive up his adp especially in your yeah. casual leagues yeah, yeah so gonna it's, it's going to be the point where, I, where i'm not going to yeah, no. i won't have zeke much at all i don't I think do he's like worth it. that i drafted him in scott fishbowl at rb54 and in i think it was in the 15th round at that price i like yeah it. that's solid but he won't be but there other, like that but, in the home league. I, yeah, I think he's going to go around 35 to 40. I yeah, have him at 46. Um, and I'm more interested in Zeke if you're playing in half PPR or standard somehow, if those still exist. Then I would be much more interested. Uh, but in a PPR, there's just not much of a ceiling or a floor or anything for Zeke. So pass on him. And then Pierre Strong I had at RB59 in redraft. I moved him down to RB66. I do think there's a universe in which... Pierre Strong still gets the third down. That would be really bad. That would be really bad. That would be, that's the scary universe that we live in now. If 
Pierre Strong is getting receiving work and Ezekiel Elliott mm -hmm. is getting uh, that's the scary work, world. Yeah. Then we would have a problem. It's why I moved Ramondre Stevenson down a tier because there is that risk, which wasn't there before. That's why I say it didn't matter really who came in because you could reorganize the roles in whatever way to be a threat. But the threatening thing is always if two other running backs get involved. Very few running backs get more than 65% of touches anyway. So it's always okay if there's one other guy getting touches because outside of even Christian McCaffrey split 65-35 at times, Austin Eckler the same at times. Yeah. Outside of maybe Bijan Robinson or, or Saquon Barkley, even Bijan, I don't know. It's gonna is he gonna be more than a Josh 70? Jacobs was up there last Josh year. Josh Jacobs he was, was insane up there. Very year. rare. So other than those very few guys, 65-35 split is fine. But the problem starts to come when you get below that, when you get to 60, when you get 55. Then you're not going to be an RB1. And the offense is bad. It's not a good offense. So we can't rely on the offense carrying him there. So I, for me, I'll have no Ramondre Stevenson now, uh, even though I didn't move him a, a much among running backs. Let's talk dynasty here. So in dynasty, I moved Ramondre Stevenson down from RB7 to RB9 just because I feel like He's older than people think. He's older than he Najee Harris, I yes, believe. Or, he or, is. or the same month, I believe. Both I think that's correct. I think they're the same month. I think they're both February. Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson is uh, February 95, 98. So he's already 25. So he's not, he's going to hit free agency at like 27. He's already going to be washed up. So. I, uh, yeah, he's totally off my board in Dynasty. Similarly, I think I have 23 receivers ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. So I'm, I'm not going to have any. I never did. That's, I think that's fair, honestly. I think it's a fair rank. Uh, I have him ranked right now around, I think, uh, in Dynasty. Right now, my Dynasty rank is having an RB12, actually, just a little bit lower. Um, then I'm 13. That? Yeah, I've got him at 12. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Tyler. I just after the couple of years, I just there's just no. It just doesn't seem like after, it doesn't seem like he has much potential after these two years. Yeah. So in one QB, I have only. I still have um, Bijan Robinson at four, and then I have Gibbs, Hall, and Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and then I don't have any other running backs in the first two rounds. Saquon Barkley and Travis Etienne are in round three. And yeah, Jacob Stevenson and Walker at the end of round three. So not great about the running back position. As oh, for yeah. Dynasty, I have uh, I put Ezekiel Elliott at running back 57. I had him at running back uh, 63 before. The thing is yep. he got a job at where he's going to have a role. So yep. he's going to have a role. So 57 in Dynasty. It's a it's a price, it's a price. It, yeah, I moved him up. To, I moved him from like fifty eight to fifty two. That's where he's yeah, at for the me. Same now. move. You yeah, know, different. Just a little bit higher. Just if he gets in the end zone a few times, that could be valuable. But yeah, just there's not and much. And then uh, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, I moved down. Obviously. Oh yeah, they're have a role. Yeah, they're in trouble. Um, Kevin Harris, especially. There's just there. I mean, there wasn't ever really a thing, but no, he's him, not, but, he's bad. He's bad. Yeah. And there's no upside here whatsoever for him. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But it's interesting. Uh, let's move to a couple of the chat questions. 
think we've covered Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott very well. We'll move to a couple of the chat questions, and then we'll come back to Dalvin Cook uh, mm-hmm. and the Jets. So, first question from Patrick Asdell. Oh, I don't know who that is. Uh, Michael Wilson or a random 2024 second? Okay. Michael Wilson is on this show sheet somewhere. It's such a long show sheet, I can't find Interesting. it. But I will say that I just still go with a second. It's... I it's it's tough. It's it's close because Michael Wilson, the thing is, when you look at him specifically on that offense, he's like the only receiver. I think he's the only like receiver of relevance above six foot. Like they have a lot of smaller guys, Marquise Brown, Rondo Moore. He's like the only receiver that's like a bigger guy, which makes him, you know, really intriguing for that offense this year. And he seems like he's torn up a camp and make really, really good impacts for them so far. But I would agree if you can get an early second in a super flex, that's. It's not here's the problem for a dark here's the, here's the problem i think that they're going to retain hollywood brown right? yes they're going to retain they him. they'll keep him michael wilson will be there rondell moore will be there next year but trey mcbride, think, well. trey mcbride but i do think they have a lot of extra draft capital they are a team let's say they had the first and the second pick that caleb Harrison. Yes, yeah. and they could trade Kyler Murray away for even more picks. So, yes, Michael Wilson, I like. I think this he's going to flash, but I don't see a universe in which Michael Wilson is the one next year. No, I think that's no, no, either no. going to be Hollywood Brown, who did not become bad. Hollywood Brown is still good. Yes. And I think Hollywood Brown, as long as Hollywood Brown exists, will be better than Michael Wilson will ever be. Or... If they somehow let Hollywood walk, Hollywood will be replaced by someone even better than Hollywood Brown, which would be even worse. So Michael Wilson, we'll have to see. I like him, but not not paying a second for him. What is yeah. this? Uh, let's let's answer this one while we're on the Cardinals. Yeah, what we're can on we expect Cardinals. from Trey McBride? Hutch, I know you went in on him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a Trey McBride fan. I mean, I'm just like, a, I'm a guy for a dynasty specifically. I'm trusting the talent of Trey McBride. I mean, he put up over 1,100 yards in college in a single season. That's something that most tight ends are never even able to do in college. I mean, that's unheard of at the tight end position. So I am pretty, pretty in actually on Trey McBride. For redraft, it's fine. I mean, you know, the offense is really, really concerning this year. I'm hoping they, for a dynasty, I'm hoping to hold on for the next couple of years, hoping they find a quarterback of the future and Trey McBride will be, and then establish as a better option in this offense. But I like Trey McBride a lot. He's a really get talented, athletic tight end. And again, 1,100 yards in a college season, you can't deny that. Dude can produce. Unfortunately, I have a bad feeling that this year is going to be a lost season for Trey McBride. This, yes, this year it could be tough. This year it could be really tough. The offense is just a disaster. And on top of that, I think his value is going to go down because he's going to be so bad. I have him in a redraft at tight end 20. I've moved him down because Zach Ertz is going to be playing week one. And Zach Ertz, while he is washed, will receive snaps. The Cardinals, looking at their offense, they have a lot of smaller wide receivers who must play in the slot, right? They must play in the slot. Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch are players that are tiny. And Hollywood Brown also could be used in slots. They're not going to run a lot of 12. So that means that every time that 
Zach Ertz is on the field, which will be time, Trey McBride will not. So even if Zach Ertz is bad, it's going to take playing time away from Trey McBride. This is a horrible offense to begin with. I have, yeah, I have him at 20. I have uh, Luke Musgrave in redraft ahead of Trey McBride. I think there's a ceiling. With Trey McBride, there's no hope for me. No it's funny, even though you do have him at tight end 20, you do have him in front of ADP. His ADP is even lower than this. For even lower than that. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, like I think that's 25. the kind of thing that you can't find a him casual ESPN. player don't. Yeah, you can't. He he's gone. who Trey McBride is. Yeah. Because he hasn't done anything in the NFL. But I, I have him at 25, actually. I have him very low myself. lower than me. Yeah. Yeah, I have him in the late teens as well. I, I just don't – I don't expect too much this year, but I think in Dynasty he's a valuable – like, I, I agree, like, you might want to buy him low later next season. It might be more valuable to do that because he might be even cheaper. But if you have him in Dynasty, I would be holding on rather than selling. Yeah. I, I would agree he's with that. It. He's worth it. His talent will win out in the end. I think his talent's going to get there for him. Yeah. I just don't really want to pay the price unless it's really yeah. cheap. So we have a 10-team really super agree. flex. Aiden O'Connell, Cortland Sutton, Keontae Ingram, 2024-2, 2026-3 for Gabe Davis, Kendra Miller, and Bailey Zappi. Miller, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I guess. I, I'd rather have Kendra Miller over the second. I'd rather have Gabe Davis over Sutton. And then... Eh, it's close. It, it is close. I feel like there's a lot Zappy. of swapping. Yeah, this is this is just silly. Yeah, it, it, there's just nothing like why nothing interesting to say about this. Trade. Yeah, Let, no. Let's move on to the something else. It's the Miller side. So Deuce McAllister, not the retired guy, but actually Deuce Vaughn, rookie running back for Dallas, looks like a young Darren Sproles. What can we, we expect from him? We saw this question and we were like. Is there a Deuce McAllister in the NFL that we don't know? I know the <laughs> but is there currently a Deuce McAllister? I was yes. actually not sure, but go ahead. Um, what can we expect from him, and what is an appropriate round to draft him for Dynasty rookie drafts? Um, not much, and whatever no. round he's being drafted in is too high. Uh, yeah. I still only have him in Dynasty at RB58. I don't see it at all i think i think people uh, what people aren't really paying attention to is that most a lot, a lot of camp reports as well are saying that malik davis has been doing really well in camp he's showing out as the number two running back Rico for the team. Dowdle is the rb2 right now that's what it says yeah it, there have been r- good reports about a lot of dallas backs and deuce fawn is one of them so i'm not really in on deuce fawn i still am taking shots at malik davis he flashed a little bit last year he looks i have really not ruled out his. that Leonard Fournette could be on his way. That is also a possibility that Leonard Fournette could be a Dallas Cowboy, and that would be a disaster a for any of these backups. Yeah, that'd be a disaster. For Where did Deuce Vaughn go to college? Kansas State. Who else went to Kansas State? Darren Sproles. Do we have Darren oh, Sproles two point oh? Say you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> is it Darren Sproles two point oh? I mean, he's that little little back that could be fun. I mean, he looks. Yeah. I'm not really seeing it either. I, 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 he's he's small for me. I, I just I'm always a size guy when it comes to even the receivers. That's why I never really liked Elijah Moore coming out of school. So I'd I'd be out on him too. But I'm just fun comparison with the Darren Sproles. Yeah, I don't hate him, but I'm not. I'm not super in because I just think that 
this is his chance to get a role. And I think if he doesn't get it, they'll just find someone else. But I yep. always liked having running backs. And to move to this question about rookie diamonds in the rough, I always liked having running backs down there. So that's why Deuce Vaughn was a popular pick for me previously. Yes. Now he's too expensive. But previously, I liked him at his cost. Yeah. I mean, his July ADP is 230th overall. That price is great. That's not going to be his price in August ADP. No, absolutely not. To answer no. this question, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, if he's there. Um, I mean, then, Michael Wilson, uh, if he's there, but I doubt it. Michael Wilson, but he's not, he's not going to no. be there. I just no. want to uh, okay. team super fun. He won't be there. Sunday night. I got a deep one. Well, Go 401 and 402. Go ahead. That's not, that's not deep. So that's 31st and 32nd overall in a 10 team. Oh, overall. You know, the one, okay. That's yeah, right. The one that I think could be there that might not have been there originally, but who could be there now is Cedric Tillman. Nothing has been talked about with Cedric Tillman. He basically like, he had that one catch, right? But other than that, Elijah Moore has been the talk of Brown's camp. Um, and Cedric Tillman is not. So he's someone I think that he didn't become bad. I mean, his prospect profile says he's very good. So he would be top of my list. Tank Dell also, but he's not going to be there anymore. Remember the name A.T. Hey, Perry? Hey. I'm a big A.T. Perry guy, so that's like my deep, deep rookie. Uh, yeah, that, that would be for a different question. Um, and I don't – I like A.T. Perry, but there's other guys that I like more oh, this is, that are in the similar group. This trade is easy. Uh, specifically, Demario Douglas and Xavier Hutchinson I like a lot more. Yeah. Lot those are, those are and for the record, for the record – I published a video saying to add Demario Douglas. You can go check the date in June. So I think I remember seeing that video actually. Yeah, the video exists. But the thing is that you convinced me with. I don't have like Demario Douglas is a terrible prospect. So why did I publish the video? Very important learning lesson. They were talking about it. The beat reporters were talking about it. They were talking about it, and they said that Demario Douglas was good. Same thing with Jaleel McLaughlin. Now people know about him, but you got to do your research and not just ESPN. That's not good enough. You got to dig deep yeah. into the beat reporters and know not the, you know, thing on Twitter that summarizes it all. That's going to get the top end, but that's not going to get these sleepers. So it's called doing research. It's not very hard. You just kind of look at teams where there's an opportunity for targets. You make those situations the Patriots wide receiver core a good one to target because it's so mm -hmm. bad oh yeah right so those where there's opportunity chargers running backs I should have picked up on this Elijah Dotson oh, yeah. situation Dotson. in advance yep. you know that one kind of slipped by me but the Denver running backs they have no RB3 there that was one to look at for example yep. uh, let's um let's move on to to this one which I like um and then you know after this we're going to talk about guys. Dalvin Cook as a part of this question. So let's let's answer the question first, and then yeah. we're going to move to discussing Dalvin Cook to the Jets. So to answer this question, would you trade Brees for a JSN in the 24 first? Yes, but I would have done that before. I would have done that before. I would have uh, yeah. had JSN in right. 24 first before Dalvin Cook signed with the Jets. So that's a pretty yeah. easy question. It's easy, but, yeah. Let's talk about Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets. Let's let's do that. So, 
Dalvin Cook, one year deal, seven million in guarantees. That's that's pretty good. Significant, yeah. Yeah, that's significant. Um, and one point six in incentives. Additionally, just to add to the confusion, Brees Hall was activated from the pup today. So he's gonna play. He's gonna play week one. You would think. He's gonna play. That doesn't mean he's gonna be a starter. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's gonna be effective, but he's gonna play week one. Cook also will not practice immediately. There's a shoulder issue, and he's also apparently becoming a father very soon. So congratulations on that. Yes, but absolutely. Uh, he will not be there for the next couple of weeks or so. It seems like it's going to be about a week and a half to two weeks before he's ready to practice. So let's jump into it. So in redraft, we all agreed earlier in this previous segment that Dalvin Cook is better than Ezekiel Elliott. Significantly better. Now, where Not even the same stratosphere. I, yeah, today. I mean, career-wise, yes. Now, Dalvin Cook is a lot better. Um, career-wise, they both have good careers. But Correct. Now, yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, what do we think in redraft? How, how are we ranking them? Because I think that's the big debate. I think most people kind of settled yes. on similar things with Stevenson and Elliott. But with Hall and Cook, I've seen wildly different takes. So where are yeah. you guys? Honestly, I mean, this is a signing that we should have expected from day one. I mean, the, the Jets are a very now team with a short window with Aaron Rodgers, possibly one, maybe two years. They can't afford to have a semi-healthy Brees Hall off the ACL be their clear-cut workhorse RB1. They just can't afford that risk. The Dalvin Cook was an easy signing for them. And I think he's going to make an impact in the first few weeks, obviously, especially with Brees getting back healthy. I would expect him to take the possibly like a 50% split between Brees Hall, him and Brees Hall, of the work at least. Uh, eventually, Brees Hall, I think, will be the lead back. But I don't like. I don't think. Like, I think this is going to be a frustrating uh, backfield for fantasy because both can take a workhorse role, both can catch passes, both can be on the goal line. There's, there's no like clear cut like role for each of them. It's not like Zeke and Ramondre, where you see Zeke only getting the goal line. It's not like a. It's not like a situation where Gibbs. Primary pass catcher Montgomery, mostly like the goal line kind of work. Like it's not really a clear split. Both these guys can do everything, and they're both great running backs. Uh, I think Brees Hall right now is a bit better actually when he's fully healthy. So I think he'll get majority more of the work. By the, more, more than a bit. Brees yeah. Hall, when he Brees was fully Hall's, healthy last year, was the best maker. running back in the NFL. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Like he is, he is great. So he will get the majority of the touches. I think at the end of the year, we'll have Brees Hall out touching Dalvin Cook, but. It's going to be a headache. It's going to be frustrating. I think Brees Hall will be like a mid-tier RB2, like around the 15-18 range, and I think Dalvin Cook will end up finishing just outside the top 24. I think that's where I'd have him ranked. Brees Hall, Brees Hall last year. Go ahead, Patrick. Oh, okay. go ahead. Uh, Brees Hall last year, in his three best games before his injury, um, was giving up 8 to 10 touches per game to Michael Carter. And he was still yeah. putting up top RB1 numbers. Um, so in terms of will Dalvin Cook's presence and taking carries significantly hurt Brees Hall and the ceiling, I do not think so at one bit. I think the ceiling is still there for Brees Hall to be a top-tier RB1. And my bigger concern still is just coming back from the injury. Yeah. If um, he wasn't coming back from an injury, I would still have ranked as an RB1 as well. But the injury, along with Dalvin Cook, possibly just 
elbow. Like the Jets could just let him sit for a little bit if they wanted mm-hmm. to. They I, could just I, let him sit and take, let Dalvin Cook take the primary load of the touches for the first few weeks, and that would just kill Brees Hall for his redraft rank for his finish. I, I, I'm not. I'm not as concerned there because I think that he, that's already so far baked into his cost that you're looking at getting a potential league winner for weeks six through seventeen. In oh Brees yeah. Hall. Yeah, it's at an RB fifteen cost. Absolutely, I will. I will smash that because that's. I'm willing to take it. That right right there is going to win you win your league when you know you have someone that's RB one upside. Yeah, absolutely. If he goes in the RB fifteen eighteen range, I'll absolutely be very willing to take that shot because the upside is, like you said, very much there. But I would just expect at least to be you know, I would expect to not want to start him for the first four weeks. Which, when you draft that kind of player in redraft, it's it's just always not fun. <laughs> it's just not fun to do. I'm smiling over here. I have this huge grin on my face because I feel like I am going to have a totally different opinion, which is okay. I think that this dramatically impacts Brees Hall's RB1 upside for this year coming off the ACL injury. I still think that a healthy Dalvin Cook is one of the few running backs that defensive coordinators have to scheme around. I think he's that good. I think people don't, I think people are discounting how ineffective he was between the tackles because of the shoulder injury. And I think you're going to see a different Dalvin cook than you saw last year. And he's at two years with the injury. So that's definitely a risk. And if the shoulder injury comes back, then I'm back on Brees hall. But I do think for redraft leagues and for this upcoming year, it's a bigger deal than people think. And the fact that they made him the ninth highest paid running back in the NFL tells me that the Jets kind of think the same. Because there's still good free agents out there that could have had a meaningful impact to the New York Jets' overall roster. I don't think they're spending it on a running back $8.6 million, potentially $7 million guaranteed unless they have a significant game plan for Dalvin Cook. He also, when he was determining where he went, it was, can you win now? And am I going to get the opportunity to be the lead back potentially? And I think he's going to have that with the Jets. And I know people are jumping and I'm going to be one of a very few handful of people that think this, but I'm a, I'm a always been a big Dalvin cook guy since college. I think he's a special back and I still think he's got juice in the tank. Well, typically running backs coming off four straight years of 250 carries tend to be terrible. They yeah. tend to be washed. And usually players who have shoulder injuries, I don't care how many times you get surgery done. It's been the same shoulder injury, like five times. You can get as many surgeries done as he wants, but it's not fixed. It's not going to be fixed. It's not going to be what it was before how many times it's been hurt, how many times he's played in a harness. For me, Dalvin Cook. The harness is, is a bigger weapon, though. Remember that game where you had the harness? I do remember like, that. Like so many. We're getting to a point. Almost 1,300 career carries. We're getting to a point now, many injuries. We're getting oh, yeah. to 28 years old. Essentially, it's a, it's a decision point. The way it works for running backs of that age is either you're a Hall of Fame level player or you're done. Th- those are the two choices. You're either Adrian Peterson or you're not. And while I like Dalvin Cook, I'm going to bet that he's not. That he's not that. Can he still be okay? Yes. Is he still elite? No, he wasn't last year. And he wasn't even close. He wasn't elite in any way. He wasn't elite at anything. He was actually bad. 
So could he be better with the allegedly healthy shoulder? Maybe. Is the fact that the shoulder is still not healthy a bad sign? Yes. I would have liked to hear. That's very poor, yeah. Everything is good. Totally healthy. Yes, he's going to be a, go be a father and, and take paternity leave. That's great. But the shoulder, we're now at August 15th. It's still an issue. And this has been an issue for four years, constantly. I don't like that it's still an issue. If I didn't hear that, I might have him ranked a little higher. But because of that, I can't trust Dalvin Cook to hold up or be effective for an entire season. So for that reason, I have Dalvin Cook ranked at RB31 and Brees Hall at RB12. And unlike Ramondre Stevenson, I think there is a universe. I have them in the same tier, but I think people are going to have Brees Hall lower. So I think there is a universe yeah. where I could have Brees Hall shares in redraft. I think that universe does exist because there is a point where if wide receivers are gone and tight ends and premium quarterbacks, that I could take a running back in that tier. And it's more likely to be Brees Hall because I think he's going to fall further. I think someone said we were talking about RB15, RB18. I think that's where he's going to fall. And since I have him at RB12, I think that that is a value. And I could see taking Brees Hall. The problem is, in that range, everyone has a problem. And it's big. It's a big problem. Yep. Look at that range for a second. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson is a 10. I have him at 10. A problem is that the goal line work could be a three-way split. It's a problem. Jameer Gibbs, I have an 11. I like him. But we don't know what the split is going to be like. Is he going to get any goal line work? If he doesn't get any, he's going to struggle to live up to that RB11 price. He's got to get some. doesn't have to be all, but it's some. He has to get some. If you get no touches in the the red zone, you're not going to be RB11. You're just not. It's not going to happen. I'm betting he does get some, but it's a risk. It's a risk. Reese Hall, I have at 12. Najee Harris at 13. He looked terrible. Terrible. He looked like he was running in mud. Jalen Warren looked better. Jalen Warren is coming on the field for third downs. Doesn't sound so good. Travis Etienne at 14. Well, we saw the picture of him and Tank Bigsby. We saw how Tank Bigsby looked. It's very concerning to me. Tank Bigsby was a very effective college running back. Very effective. Aaron Jones at 15. He's 28. Even older than Dalvin Cook. And that offense is still going to be a split, and that offense could be bad. And then at 16, Joe Mixon, who is now being charged in a new lawsuit, a new problem, and he's not there. He's having to deal with that. I mean, that doesn't sound so good. So, yes, Brees Hall at 12 sounds high, but then when you listen to all these other Everyone has an issue. Every running back this year. There is no one safe. No. No one. It's standing at the bar. Which red flag are you the most okay with at the end of the night? Yeah. Remember the days where we had five running backs, five, six running backs who had no warts. They'd get all the work. This year, there are zero. Zero. The running back position is changing, and we have to learn to accept risk with our running backs because there's no choice. Yep. Even Christian McCaffrey comes with risk. Austin Eckler comes with risk. 
it is what it is. This is the game now. And you have to adapt. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be left behind. That's my take on the situation. I, I think Brees Hall, the fact that he's being activated from the pup now is also a big factor. That would have been very different, yeah, yeah. I think, my ranking if he were still on the pup. But I yeah, like seeing that he's activated in advance. Basically, what I'm hearing out from the Jets is that Brees Hall is more ready to practice and play than Dalvin Cloak. That's what they're saying. Yep. That, that's what that says. So I, that's why I have that that take. I think I gave a lot of good reasoning. It's very fair, yeah. Um, Now, I moved uh, the Jets' other running backs off my redraft rankings. Let's talk about Dynasty. So I did – we're not done. Um, the – Interesting thing is that I didn't really move Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook in Dynasty at all. Which is weird. But I guess that means I was happy with how I ranked them before. And I feel like I kind of had this priced in for a while. Yeah. I was hoping Dalvin Cook would go to Miami. Then I think we'd get to see That'd be the best. what Ryan was talking about. We're not going to see that here. Even if he is the starter, it's still not going to be that. agree with that. I think it's going to be you would have a better path to showcase with Miami than he will with Brees Hall. Brees Hall is still a very uberly talented running back. (laughs) That aside, the scheme for the Jets is is the Nathaniel Hackett scheme. And that was so wonderful. (laughs) So that's not not the scheme I'd want. Whereas Miami is is gold. Mike McDaniel is uh, the gold scheme. The genius scheme. The Kyle Mm -hmm. Shanahan running back scheme. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it did get Aaron Rodgers two MVPs. Right, but Aaron Rodgers is not a running back. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is not a running back. I, I do think that Nathaniel Hackett is more effective in the passing game than people think, and Russell Wilson was the problem. But his running scheme is, is, is bad. He's also the one who misused the Packers running backs in the first place. Remember that we always complained about the usage for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? All, so many complaints with Jamal Williams. Whose fault is that? It. So, yeah, so he's responsible. Let's talk about a couple of other things. Michael Carter. The Jets now have five running backs on the roster, right? I think Michael Carter is going to be traded. And I think it's going to happen soon. And I think it's going to be the, the Cleveland Browns. Let's just say that people are talking about this. People are discussing it. People are saying it. We'll have to see. People are saying it. Do not be surprised if Michael Carter is on the Cleveland Browns. Have you seen like beat reports and something about that? There are other things. Yeah, there are many different uh, places Rumor. where it's being talked about. There's so many different places where it's being talked about. Yeah, I've, I've missed those rumors, but yeah, that make a lot. Well, I mean, it make a lot of sense. Well, because Jerome Ford has a hamstring injury. He yeah, does. it makes a hamstring sense. injury. And he's the only backup to Nick Chubb. There's no one else. John Kelly, Demetric Felton, and wide receiver. Um, so they need a running back badly. Michael Carter. And is I not much a bad prefer player. Michael Carter to them, to be honest. I, I like Michael Carter's skill set. I think he's a good fit behind Chubb. So that's, that's a nice fit. That's the best place you could go if you're a Michael Carter holder. I think Michael Carter is just fine, but I do look for him to be trade. Don't cut him in Dynasty because I do think he'll be on another no, team. Oh, yeah, don't cut him. The one who – because he just seems like the odd man out. 
if you think about it, they have the two guys, Israel Abanaconda, they yeah. just drafted this year. And Zonovan Knight is a UDFA and also I believe should be able to play special teams if he's a UDFA, you would think, and made the team originally. So, and that's, that's likes him. And Abanaconda can also play special teams. Michael Carter just seems like he doesn't fit. Zonovan Knight is currently ahead of Abanaconda on the depth chart, by the way. Michael Carter's not going to be there. He's going to. Well, he's also Abanaconda is also a rookie. You got to just. They like to play those games. They like to play those games with the rookies. Oh, I know. I'm I'm just saying that that's why I think they're going to keep. That's why I don't think what's going to happen is I think they're going to cut. They're going to trade Michael Carter, keep Zonovan Knight as their initial RB3 and Abanaconda around as uh, either as a fourth running back on game days because Hall, if Hall is still not healthy and a special teamer, uh, you know, they might have four running backs active. Yeah. But I, they have no place for Michael Carter. Dalvin Cook is now that role. So Michael Carter seems superfluous. So look for him to be on the Browns. Or if someone else gets injured and they call. Because he's yeah, like the most great. available running back. Else, the yeah, Jets are the only team that has five running backs who have a real case Would you, to be on the game day roster. Do you think the Vikings might look at him with their concerns at running back? Because I mean, Madison's, yeah. like, Madison's not really a great pass. They might. I, I don't see the that. Vikings, though, as being a team looking to trade draft capital. I think the Vikings no, are more yeah, likely to not. sign Hunt or Fournette than they are yeah. to trade for Carter. I'd the agree. Browns, I'd agree. Though, the, Browns the Browns are the team on my radar for Carter. That's fair. That's probably the best team. But the Vikings, I think, could also l- maybe look into it. But they Because they looked into Hunt recently. They had him for a visit. They did. Uh, that's on true. Hunt, on Hunt's tour of all the amazing cities in the world. He, it seems like he's just been visiting every signed with team. none of them. I thought he's signed with none of them. It's so funny, he's man. He's signed he's, with none of them. He's visited with every team. So, like, every team he's signed with none of them. He just, yeah. He's just getting vacations, man. Now, let's talk about another thing. There are two big winners of this uh, event. Devon mm-hmm. Chain. And Tony yeah. Pollard. More so Devon Achain. Devon Achain is a huge winner. Huge winner. Because there was one Dalvin Cook, and he was going to go to one of these three places, Miami, New England, or the Jets, and cause a big problem there. And he didn't go to Miami. I don't see Miami signing Fournette or Hunt. I think it was Dalvin Cook or nobody. They totally have agree. Jeff Wilson and Mostert. I don't think they don't need a third of those. No, they don't. Or slower and don't fit the scheme. So it was Cook or nobody, and they were happy with what they had and signed nobody. So Devon A. Chain is a big winner to me. Tony Pollard as well. Uh, I don't see the, the the Cowboys could sign Fournette, but I would be more scared of Zeke. I think Zeke had more left. Than Fournette or Hunt, and uh, we know the Cowboys already liked Zeke, so he would be more likely to get a role. I'm not sure Fournette or Hunt coming in would get the yeah, same. Pollard was like a top ten running back last year with Zeke getting a lot of touches. So, oh, really... I know, but now I think Pollard has the ceiling to. Be... I see a lot of people ranking Pollard as their RB one. I think that's ridiculous because I don't think he can hold up to the touches. But no, Pollard he can't. absolutely no, has he a top can't. five ceiling. Yeah, he does. He, he does have that ceiling if he can really handle those touch. But I don't like after watching what he's done over his career, looking at everything he's done, that that handle of that that amount of touches is something that he's not gonna be able to handle. There's just no way. Yeah, I still I have him it. in the second tier. It'll break down tier. his body. His I still body have him break. in the second tier of running backs. I still have 
McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan, and Barkley in the first tier. And Pollard's in the second tier. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with that. I don't have him in the running back one overall group. Uh, but, but after that group, he's starting to become one of the like safer options, I think, especially I with agree. the way the landscape has changed. So I'm also, actually Dalvin Cook in on him. Go there. there Jerry yeah. Jones could have signed Dalvin Cook if he had wanted to. Now that's very Jerry deal. Jones move to sign another quote unquote superstar running back. That is very much a Jerry Jones move. It would be a very Jones move. So, okay, let's get back to the questions now. With Anthony Richardson being named the regular season starter today for the Colts, does he move ahead of Bijan in the Superflex rookie rankings? Mm. Can we harmonize this? Hell no. Hell no. 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 It's no. It does give me, I mean, it does give me a bit more confidence in him as a player. It does give me a tad more confidence. No. Yeah, there you go. Meaning, bring it out. Bring it out. There's one other thing. <laughs> If you're watching the video, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. Love it. Go ahead. <laughs> Love it. But with Anthony Richardson, I mean, you know, given the fact that he's the week one starter, it does give you a little bit more confidence that, of what the coaches are seeing in him at camp. I and mean, we've, we've seen highlights all day. But when it really comes down to it, they're starting him week one. They believe that he can be a starter in the NFL. And that's at least a good sign. So, Maybe not. I don't think it's changing my rankings ridiculously. Um, obviously, for redraft, it might. Uh, it might move him more into that QB1 area because we know he's starting week one. But for Dynasty, not too much. But I, I think there's at least a confidence boost here for Anthony Richardson. The I fact that maybe he develops him. into a solid passer. What's that? I've always thought he was going to start week one. Yeah, I've always, I've always been on that side as well. I haven't, I've and always I've been thought. very confident about that. I've yeah. always, I've always been on that side as well. I thought maybe Rich Minshew can get him for three or four games. I but never I, had any doubt, really. I thought it was not after play. like, not since like early reports in May and June. I've had it ranked as if Richardson is locked in week one for a long time. It's so, fair, yeah. This is yeah, I mean, it's the same news as Bryce Young being named the starter, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I did move Gardner Minshew down, not because I was surprised, but because if they're making this decision this early, I think that says something about Gardner Minshew. It that could, he's, yeah. That he's just a backup. He's not in. So I moved him down in my dynasty rankings, a good like 30 spots in Superflex, away from like the Taylor Heineke, uh, Jacoby Brissett, you know, kind of like could get in Sam Darnold group. And now he's in with like the Mike White group. The true backups. Backups, yeah. I, I think we're yeah. done. I think we will never see Gardner Minshew as an intended starter ever again. Once Urban Meyer That's took fair. that rain from him and gave it to Trevor Lawrence in like middle yeah, of August, it was over, wasn't it? two years ago, that was yeah, all she wrote. So we got a 12 team, one quarterback, start eight. Give Sanders, Fryermuth, and the 205. I'm guessing it's Miles Sanders. Um, yeah, and get yeah, Mark Andrews. Andrews. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's an easy one. That's not even a decision. Yeah. Let's, uh, next one. All right. Two sentence answers. Thoughts on Mingo? Uh, I did a whole video on him. Not a I think, video, but. I think Jonathan Mango has some upside. I mean, this receiver room is so ambiguous. He has all the upside in the world, but I'm not big of a fan of him as a prospect because he had, you know, his physical tools seem insane. Like his size and speed combo is like AJ Brown esque. It's kind of wild, but he never produced in college. He had all the opportunity in the world too, and he just never did it. So I'm quite worried. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I drafted him here and there in dynasty and in fantasy football in general, but. 
not all in. And then Flowers has been making all the all the noise in the world at camp, and uh, I'm pretty intrigued by him. I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to take that show. Yeah, I'm willing to take. I'm willing to take the shot on him because I mean, the more that you think about it, it's just like they knew that they had Rashad Bateman. They knew that they had OBJ, but they decided to take him in the first round of the NFL draft. Anyway, they have a plan for him. So I'm I'm very interested in him, especially with the Ravens and Todd Malkin's offense looking to pass more. There should be room for a receiver to step up outside of Mark Andrews. There should be room for it, and that's that's where Zay Flowers could really make an impact. Zay Flowers in that room makes it with Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman if he's healthy and Mark Andrews. Like it gives what I really love is it's gonna it's gonna quell all those concerns about is Lamar Jackson a passer or not. You're you're gonna find out now. You're gonna get your yeah, answer this year for sure. This is the best weapons he's had by a long shot at receiver. I'm excited to to see that. I think Flowers yeah, is gonna be a good player. I'm not as high on him as some are. I know he's making a lot of noise in camp. A lot of guys in the past have too. I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be a good wide receiver. Um, I, again, I, I worry about size on guys like that. It's you get like your Antonio Browns, and then there's a big gap when you you get to that that height. So I, I do worry about him as like that high end wide receiver one. You know, I don't think Flowers ever becomes that. Mingo is an interesting case to me because I. I think that staff loves him so much. They're so confident in him that he becomes a little bit more intriguing to me. And I think when I watched, rewatched him after he was drafted by Carolina, I realized how bad Ole Miss's quarterback play was. So I will give him a little bit of a pass on production. I don't think it's going to be like a Calvin Johnson where he just didn't produce in college and all of a sudden is one of the best receivers of all time. But I do think that Mingo is going to be better than people expect and will be more productive in the NFL than he was in college. I'm expecting day one on the field snaps routes run from Jonathan Mingo. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. The reality that he got put on the, on the top three in the depth chart um, from the initial ones when usually rookies aren't included at all or late, late additions to it uh, ahead of significant wide receivers and Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chenault. Mingo's the clear at least wide receiver two or three on that team, and he's going to see the field. Yeah, the only problem with me I though is that, that Lavisca Chenault was on the Panthers. You forgot. Me too until I saw that report, and then I was yeah, like, oh. I forgot. And then yeah, yeah. I forgot that he still existed. He's there. Yeah. Remember but the only people sold him for a first. He's terrible. <laughs> I'm one of them. I sold him for a first. Tyler, did yeah. you see my tweet about? Uh, ended up being the one Devon A chain yesterday. Oh, Devon A chain gives me big Lavisca Chenault vibes. Devon A-Chain is available in uh, certain leagues. I should just go spam. Yeah. yeah. All right. <coughs> Late round rookie draft flyers. Sean Tucker or Zach Evans? Uh, Zach Evans. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys I actually liked as prospects coming out. Ah, uh, That's a tough either. one. My bad. I'm going to lean Sean Tucker, actually, funnily enough. Um, yeah. I think Zach Evans is. If you were to make me click the draft button on one of them, I would click it on Zach Evans because I love Cam Akers. But if you had to bet on Rashad White or Cam Akers flopping this year and completely being a disaster, I'd, I think Akers has a higher chance because of that Achilles injury. Evans better for this season. I think I like Tucker better longer term. And I know that sounds a little bit nonsensical, especially both as rookies, both as backups. But 
Zach Evans, I feel like, is going to get more snaps this year than potentially he will go forward. I feel like they'll they'll replace Zach Evans down the line with the Rams. Um, I think McVay really churns through those tiers of running backs pretty quickly. So, uh, but I, I find both of them kind of intriguing. I, I liked both of their tape in college. I feel like Sean Tucker was actually a pretty complete back. Um, over at Syracuse and liked a lot of what I saw there. So I was surprised he went undrafted. Um, think he actually, I have him higher ranked than Zach Evans coming out of school. So, um, but I have him very close. So is Kenny Pickett at this point a peak sell? Zero chance at a top 12 season. Anything outside of that is kind of worthless, right? Value is rising off the preseason. Honestly, to be honest, I don't like, like, I understand he looked, he looked bad last year. We never loved him as a prospect and it just, it's never been, you know, Kenny Pickett's been a wow factor. It just, there hasn't been that, but I don't, I don't think there's not a top 12 ceiling. Like this dude can run. He produced some numbers in college and we watch him on the field. He can run. If he unlocks that this year, there's absolutely upside again in the top 12 and look at the receiving core around him. He's George Pickens. He's Dante Johnson. Najee Harris on the backfield. You have Jalen Warren. You have Pat Fryermuth. Like and an upgraded offensive line compared to last year, significantly upgraded. Why can't he have a breakout season? It feels like people are assuming he's bad. He was a first round pick. Maybe he didn't deserve to be. Maybe he was more like. Maybe he should have been a more like a second round pick. But he was still drafted in the first round by this team. They believe something in him. They saw something in him, and they decided to go for it. Why can't he have a breakout here? I feel like people, so many people are, besides like Steelers fans, so many people are assuming that he is just toast. He is done and there's no upside. He showed a lot of progression towards the end of the year. His pass rating went significantly up. His turnovers went significantly down. He made some really nice throws and he helped lead a comeback against the Ravens toward the end of the year with some clutch plays. I don't, I see a world where he breaks out. Obviously, I think it's unlikely as well, but I don't think he, I don't think he necessarily has to sell. You don't have to sell him. I, th- I think he's a safe QB two for the next three years. I think that's fair. Uh, the Steelers are not going to have the draft capital again. They're not. They're not going to replace him. They're going to no. see what they've got. They've got to. They've got to see this through. Um, I think a lot of the hate towards Kenny Pickett comes from box score watching. A lot of in, a lot of interceptions and a lot of those were on hail marys and 50-50 balls when there was no other option and a couple drops. Had, as well. Yep, and he had to make he had to make the throw. It's not about that. Essentially, Kenny Pickett throughout his college career was was bad. Not bad, but not an NFL prospect. Then he has Jordan Addison's Bolitnikoff winning year, and he looks great. And then he comes to the NFL, and the weapons are not so great. And he's not good. Kenny Pickett could be a top 12 quarterback if Jamar Chase was one of his wide receivers. Can't with the current weapons. They're not good enough because Kenny Pickett's not good. Well, he's not bad, but he's not hes not a floor-raising quarterback. If he had excellent weapons, he could be top 12. I do agree. I see no path to top 12 with his current weapons. I think he could be a top 12 quarterback if he had some of the best weapons in the league, but he doesn't. He has, what would you say about his weapons? That they're average? I'd say they're about average. Yeah. I mean, Deontay Johnson is not, for real life, is not a top 25 wide receiver to me. He's not difference-making. He's inefficient. He gets a lot of receptions, but he doesn't do that much with them. He's not a game-breaker. George Pickens is 
a lot of highlights. He could be a game breaker. He, George, George Pickens, Pickens could be a game breaker. George Pickens Not somebody Johnson who... can't. But the problem with George Pickens is he can break the game, one or two plays a game, but what about the rest of it? Right. Not consistent. Pat Fryermuth is good, not great, at, you know, in terms of actually receiving. He's not great. He has like an average set of weapons. So he doesn't run. You say he does, but he doesn't. He averaged 18 rushing yards a game. That is not running. That That's not running for fantasy. Running is 40 or more. So he doesn't really run. He showed so, flashes of it. In college, he had no, really no, but production. Not really. In college, he showed he didn't run at all. And and he got outside the pocket, but he didn't run. He didn't run for a lot of yards. He he actually was this was they, not they changed the college rule for him from his running. This was, yeah, but it was a knock for him that he didn't put up a lot of college rushing yards. I mean, he didn't. And then he was fine, but he didn't put up a lot of he, I think what people got wrong, he never put up more than 250 rushing yards in any college season. Nope, he didn't. And, and I think it's funny because I think that play, the rule change play, is what has given him the perception that he's a running quarterback. I actually think he reminds me of like a Ryan Tannehill-ish kind of quarterback with a little bit more of an it factor. That's kind of no, like... No, no. Ryan Tannehill is a converted wide receiver. Kenny Pickett does not have those kind of wheels. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about like from a fantasy perspective, like oh, a fantasy sure, sure, sure. ceiling. But he feels like a Ryan Tannehill-ish. Yes. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have those kind of wheels. Not like Ryan Tannehill who's a converted no, 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 no. from another position. That's very different. That's why Ryan Tannehill is so mobile. A lot of people forget about that. Is that oh, he yeah. came up as a wide receiver. Yeah, I wasn't, and also I wasn't calling Kenny Pickett like a running quarterback, like a Fields or a Lamar or a Hurts or anything but like he, that. Like, he can add. He can add in the rush game. He's closer to being a statue than he is to being a running quarterback. 18 is, is nothing. It's irrelevant when it comes to running. It is irrelevant. 18 is closer to zero than it is to what matters, which is like 40 or 50. It is. I mean, it's it, that's just reality. Where I think people got Kenny Pickett wrong is people said that Kenny Pickett, because he didn't rush for a lot in college, he's immobile and cannot move in the pocket. That's not true. He can move in the pocket. And that's why I think he's not going to be as bad as people say. But in terms of fantasy, I don't see it. Doesn't run enough. Not a floor-raising quarterback. I would, I'd be find it hard to believe he finishes higher than quarterback 15 in points per game. And that's at best. I haven't been redrafted quarterback 24. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'd, I'd sell him. And it's funny, I, I think you nailed it with his, I, I was going back to my draft notes on Kenny Pickett, and I, I did talk about how he's evasive in the pocket and fast enough to be an occasional asset in the run game, but that's not his, that's, exactly that's not where he's going to win. That's exactly how I see it, yeah. I will also say this, though. That doesn't mean that I find Kenny Pickett to be a sell. Kenny Pickett, I think, is going to retain that job, and I think he's going to be a lot better for real life than he is for fantasy. There's a universe in which Kenny Pickett finishes at quarterback 24 and the Steelers have a winning record. Yep. That universe exists. Absolutely. Actually, I think that's not that unlikely. I think you nailed what the Steelers' outlook and Kenny Pickett's outlook looks yeah. like, to be honest with you. I think that's that's spot on. That's really good, yeah. yeah. So he, he's actually a buy for me in Dynasty, not a sell. I think a lot of people are too low on him. Yeah, people think he's going to be erased after his first year and be replaced. They just don't have the replacement for him, and they're going to win yeah, games. Yeah, he's better for real life than he is for fantasy, and the Steelers give their quarterback such a long leash that I think that Kenny Pickett, uh, you got his whole rookie contract of him playing. Yep. So probably this year, next year, minimum, and then probably at least part of the year after that. 
he's uh, and the Steelers are never bad enough where Mike Mike Tomlin's such a good coach. They're never bad enough where they're in the range of like that exactly. elite quarterback anyway. So exactly, if they're not in that range, it's going to be hard to replace him. Twelve teams start ten lineup super flex PPR one and a half tight end premium contender. Trading for Bijan or give up your. 2024 and 2025 first and second and early 24 second Romeo Dobbs and Hendon Hooker. So, so what's that? Three twos, two ones. Three twos, two ones. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs and Hendon Hooker. For Bichon. I'll take Bichon, but it's close. Yeah, that's, that's close it's because it's a, that's a lot I'm, of compensation. I'm, I'm, I'm listening, but if you're a contender right there, I, I'm hesitant to say here. I'll take your pick nine or pick ten as the first pick I get back in that trade. Yeah, I'll take Bijan fairly. I will too. Yeah. I also say it, know your skill set too. Like some people really can't draft in rookie drafts. I have some league mates that just whiff all the time in rookie draft picks. If you're one of those people, then I think you know I, I definitely no, leave no, the Bijan no. side. <laughs> no, no, there are no such people because those people should go to patreon.com slash fantasy advice and sign up for my Patreon and I'll yes. do it for you. And then yeah. I'll you see that? Lob you a softball, sir. Right up to the top it's in the of the Hollywood Square. No, all right. Click the link, sign up right now, and do it before you mess up your team. That's true. I'm a Square. lot better before you mess it up. All right, another Bijan the question. There's the link for anyone interested. Go back to the Bijan question. Bijan and Kyle Pitts, or Ramondre, Olave, Pat Fryermuth, and Zay Flowers. Uh, uh, is there a format here? I would assume just. I don't think it really matters. Because quarterbacks. I think it's the Olave side, no matter what. Because no, it's, it I is do, kind of tough. Yeah, because Olave and uh, Olave's not worth that much less than Bijan. Olave no. and Flowers to me is worth more than Bijan, and then Ramondre and Fryermuth. That's a good. Pr- I mean, I like Flowers a lot. Just seems like there's more value in the four players. Kyle Pitts. Here's my take. On. Pitts and Olave, long term to me, I actually view very similar. Uh, I, I still am very much in on Kyle Pitts. I think rookies coming in, getting a thousand yards in the NFL, is still that very very young age for Kyle Pitts. I think if I stack ranked who I like in dynasty top to bottom from here, I'd probably go Bijan Pitts Olave down the line. So I'd lean to the two players that I prefer more, and I would go Bijan and Pitts. But I do see that that's heavy, com- that's heavy compensation, and I really do like Chris Olave a lot too. It's it's not a knock on Olave. I'm very very high on Olave, um, just also very high on Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I actually think it's Zay Flowers and his changing value that's making this much easier to go to the four players. Yeah. All right, we got a question about uh, former USC wide receivers. Would you Ooh. trade Drake London for Jordan Addison straight up? No. Not me. I would take London. I think the what you started to see when Mariota came out was how well he could be utilized and how big of a focal point of an offense he could be. Whereas Addison, I really like Jordan Addison a lot too. End of the day, they still got Justin Jefferson. He's still going to be the number one there. You take Justin Jefferson out of the equation in Minnesota, maybe Addison gets a little bit closer to London for me, but I'm taking London. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely Drake London. He has the upside to be an alpha for this offense. And obviously the next year or two may be tough, you know, if they if the Evan Ritter doesn't work out and they replace him potentially with a rookie, if they can get somebody, if they're bad enough to get somebody, like they might not be bad enough to get a rookie pick up there near the 101 or anywhere near that. Uh, their defense has made some upgrades this year. Their offensive core around Ritter is really good. So if they're not able to replace Ritter, they might be in a situation where they're stuck with quarterback with that quarterback for a bit. But the quarterback situation is just a problem for, for Drake London for the next couple of years. I would still take London, though. He's the, He has the potential to be an alpha. It's London so easily. He was a better yeah. prospect. He was drafted higher. He's not playing alongside Justin Jefferson. He had a very productive rookie season. And he is the one who's doing well with Desmond Ritter. Not Kyle Pitts. No, it's and not Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts yeah. Is very concerning to me. Any any quarterback can support one fantasy weapon, no matter how bad you are. Any quarterback can yes. support one fantasy weapon. The problem is when we start to get to two, and Kyle Pitts is going to be the one who suffers, not Drake London. Yep, agreed. Jeremy says, "Hey, folks, keep up the great work Yo. with the fire emoji." I agree. It's been fire in here. Let's continue on. Louis G said, "Dynasty Superflex." Jalen Waddle, Dalton Kincaid in a 24 first, or Trevor Lawrence? Brutal. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is worth so much, but that is just too much to pay. So I'll take the package. I would as well. That package is insane. It's It's You don't have to do Oh, that's even worse then. Then it's the package. You're guaranteed it's in a top 10 pick. Yeah, then it's the package. Yeah, it's package. Quarterbacks are worth less. Yep. What is stopping Herbert from being the QB one? Is there too much hype off the eight minus eight fields air yards? Oh, it's two separate questions. I didn't read it ahead of time. So let's start with Herbert. Any reason he can't be the QB one this year? No, there's there's no reason he can't. With Kellen Moore in this offense, he could absolutely get there. the The problem is he doesn't run the football, and it's going to be a it's he he's going to have to have a really high touchdown rate, but he could get there. He could absolutely get there. He has the talent. He has the arm. He has the weapons. And he has the OC that likes to throw the football. He needs his defense to be bad. But he needs the defense. Yeah, he needs some injuries on defense, which has happened in the past couple of years. They've had some injuries. Tyler's standing above me, and he wants to crush this, I feel like. He wants to crush that response. (laughs) There's no way he can be the QB1. There's just no way. He needs – he lacks (laughs) the one elite weapon that he would – he doesn't have it. So if he doesn't have it, he can't. He, he can't do it. He needs a Jamar Chase. He's good, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Herbert's great, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes no. can do it no matter what. Justin Herbert's not that. He would need elite-level weapons, like what Joe Burrow has. If you put Justin Herbert on the Bengals, maybe. But not, not in his current situation. The weapons are good, but they're not good enough. So the QB1, no. Could he be top five? Yeah. But yep. QB1, no. And then, is there too much hype off the minus eight fields, uh, Justin Fields' air yards from his three for three, 160 yard performance? Who cares? If you're overreacting to preseason, preseason stats don't matter at no. all. Ignore them. What matters is who played when and who oftentimes snaps. who didn't yeah. play. Who didn't yes. play is often important. Uh, but even that can be misleading. Silence but sometimes is even louder. Stats is irrelevant. I, I don't care who put up what stats. He was going to be the. You were muted, and then you were muted, and then he went on. It was weird. Yeah. I was so muted. Strange. That was weird. No, you're good now. That was very strange. Danny Warfel 
Well, back in the day when Steve Spurrier took over for Washington, lit up the preseason. Lit up. Looked like he was going to be the greatest player of all time. It, preseason means nothing. It, you get vanilla defenses, vanilla offenses. People aren't showing any cards. It's not legit. I don't. I don't buy. I don't worry anything about anything about air yards for Justin Fields off of that. Dude thing, can run. That's all I care about. The thing I cared about most was I liked the usage for DJ Moore getting a screenplay and not having to get a long pass to get targets. Something that he didn't been on here for weeks, months talking about DJ Moore since mm-hmm. I came onto this show. I am such a DJ Moore fan. Not even funny. DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, two best receivers in the NFL that nobody talks about because of their horrible, horrible quarterback play over the last three, four years. Those guys are guys I both love. There, uh, several years ago, what really sold me on Dalvin Cook was a preseason run where he took where he took a house call similar to what DJ Moore just did, and that to me was that play for DJ Moore to be like, okay, this is different. This is better than what he was looking at before. If he's going to be used in this way, even if it was a bad throw to him and he had to wait for it and he had to go back a little bit to get it, it's worth it. I think DJ Moore is going to be the guy in that offense. It's going to be, you yeah. know who DJ Moore it's- is? He is the Bobby's Abitz of wide receivers. Underrated pizza, phenomenal pizza. I wore this shirt specifically because of last week repping the New Haven style pizza. That's who DJ Moore is. He's a stud. If you want to know more about the pizza, go, to, go listen to the last about 20 minutes of last week's episode. Leave a comment about uh, your favorite pizza place, and we'll be sure to get back to you on that. You missed it, Tyler. I said DJ Moore was the Bobby Zabitz of oh wide God. receivers. <laughs> I'm bringing that New Haven mm-hmm. pizza the credit and recognition that it deserves. You guys, just like DJ Moore. You guys just spoke about the backup quarterbacks. I actually have Tua and Desmond Ritter in a dynasty. Would it be better to have Mike White with Tua's injury history or Heineke because Ritter may be bad? Mike White is losing st- the backup job. <laughs> Mike White is losing the – Mike White has been horrific. In no, it's not Mike White. It's, it's definitely Heineke. Heineke's no, the one that can play. Heineke? Yep, easily. And Heineke, the thing, field. Heineke, like, the Heineke if he plays – He's actually not horrific for fantasy because he's willing to take shots down the field and he'll throw it all over the place. And like he's willing to just chuck it. He doesn't care. He doesn't I care. have won he some plays, super flex games like because of Taylor Heineke. Yeah. He plays like the rent and do is doing he has nothing to lose. Like that's how Taylor Heineke plays football, and it's great for fantasy. So, yeah. Uh, if he actually does get watch. It, he could actually be a relevant fantasy player. Especially with that offense around him with London and Pitts and Bijan and that offensive line, like he could actually play decent. For fantasy, yeah. so just keep an eye for him if he gets a starting job. So this question is an updated one from earlier. It's the same package in a start eight, um, but added a twenty-four first. first. Still Andrews. I'll take the side with the twenty-four first. It, it does. It does make a. It does make it probably the first. Yeah, that's too much. It is. It is. I would take the unnecessary. First. Steelers yeah. to the moon. Um, also. Make sure to sign for the Patreon. It's mm-hmm. there yes. for you guys. Yes. Keep, keep the lights on. The, Help us uh, keep the lights on. But the best part about the Patreon is actually, in, se- in my opinion, is the in-season start spreadsheet. Because I get hundreds of questions. And I can't answer them all. But the only people who get that in-season spreadsheet are those who pay for it. 
not available for free anywhere or as part of anything else. It's kind of early to say what Fryermuth is. People have settled that he's a mid-tier tight end. He has had some of the worst QB play ever and still had a great start to a tight end career. Only two years in the league. I think we all are kind of like ahead of consensus-ish on Fryermuth, like tight end eight-ish. Would you guys say that's... I think he's fine. It's just the the only problem is if the only problem is what what do we get from Kenny Pickett? Because we've been talking, maybe he's a real good real life quarterback, and not really for fantasy. And if he's not throwing a load of touchdowns, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens already in the offense, and Najee Harris out of the backfield, it makes it tougher for him to have any sort of ceiling. But he'll probably end up being a lower end tight end one because he's a talented player. He's going to get some targets, but I don't feel there's much upside. That's the only problem. Yeah, the problem is with Kenny Pickett's low ceiling, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Pat Fryermuth would have to get literally everything to all be good. Literally everything. Everyone else would have to be irrelevant. So unless that's what happens, uh, one of them is going to fail. And it's probably going to be a combination of Pickens and Fryermuth, both kind of being a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, agreed. Hey Tyler, do you take Zell for Patreon? I don't take Zell. I don't know anything about Zell. I don't take Zell for anything. I do have a Venmo, both to tip, and also there's my spreadsheet offer, which is available. Uh, I haven't put a tweet out about it, but here's the tweet to the last. One. That's to tip, and then there's this Venmo, another one where you can purchase just the spreadsheet if you're not interested in a recurring charge. For $20 for the whole season, you get the spreadsheet. It'll have dynasty rankings, redraft rankings, and then starts it weekly. You get it for the whole season, $20. And that's also through Venmo. But Zell, I don't know anything about Zell. That London question is peak rookie hype. Take advantage of some recency bias. Yep. Yep, if you yep, can. Yep, it is. Yeah. Dow... Is that even his first name? My my head is blanking. Goddard, thank you. Um, Goddard or Pitts in Dynasty, and is it a huge gap? I'd take Pitts in a significant. Pitts in a significant, yeah. Yeah. They're just different levels of talents. It's a different. It's a different level. Dallas Goddard's also and he's a way older. Years older. Yeah, he's also much older. Dallas Goddard's older than people think. Yeah, people forget about his age. It's it's yeah, I think uh, people think he's younger, but he came into the NFL at 23 and a half uh, at the start of his first season. So he's older than people. think. And he played behind Zachary's for a while. That also and people forget. I mean, it's also Kyle Pitts is 22 with tremendous upside. Desmond Ritter's not going to be around for forever with Kyle Pitts. There are a few tight ends that come into the NFL with his skill set. He's a special tight end. It's not even close to me. I know I talked before with I like him over Olave even in Dynasty. I, I definitely Pitts had get, more receiving yards as a rookie than Dallas Goddard has had in any of his NFL seasons. Yep. Yeah, and Goddard sometimes has some health, you know. health issues too. So I will also say twenty-two. I like that. I think Dallas Goddard's share of the Philadelphia offense could go down. I think last year, 4.6 receptions, 58 and a half yards per game. That might be about the best case scenario, unless there's an injury to someone else. Yeah, I don't think AJ, it's going to be 
better in terms of Brown and Devontae Smith soak up so much of that offense. They soak up 50 plus percent of that offense last year. Like that's what the kind of target shares are getting. They're just insane. Yeah. There's not much room for anyone else. All right. Superflex, Shahan Dotson, Cam Akers in a 24 first or QJ and Jordan Addison. Um, hmm. Well, I typically okay. lean toward the 24 first in any question, but yeah. Uh, in this one, it's pretty I mean, even. The, tw- the 24 first has yeah, the highest close. upside. I will say, let's go back to my strategy on 24 first. I talked about this on the Ask Tyler video. I talk about the strategy a lot, and you can go view that on the YouTube channel. If I'm going to give up my 24 first, there's an opportunity cost to that. You only get to give up your 24 first one time, and this is not good enough. So if I'm on the 24 first side, I'm keeping it unless I get a better offer. I would would prefer to just give the 24 first. It's also so much tougher to sell first right now because they're going to be so much more valuable when draft season comes along. They're just going to be more valuable. People are going to be so much more excited about them. So trading 24 first now in Dynasty is a really tough thing to do. And it's not it's not always the most the best decision to do because you could just trade them for if you can wait and trade them for later, they're going to be they're gonna pull so much more because people are gonna be hyped, especially thing I would I would do anyway. What's that? Better than QJ, and I prefer the 24 first to Addison, and then I'm also getting acres on that side. Like that's I, I like the first side better. I, I, I'm a big I'm a big acres guy here too as well. So I it, it am not. It, I know you're why not. It's closer for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take the first acres. Some value there, like because that's how I'm, I'm putting that up is like 24 first versus Jordan Addison. I'm gonna lean the 24 first. I take Jahan Dotson over QJ, and then Acres is just the cherry on top oh, for I, me. There. I have QJ a lot higher than than Dotson, and I don't really like Acres, so that's probably why it's closer for me. <clears throat> All right, we got Toronto Dave in the house. What's giving up, us some Dave? emojis. Uh, let's keep this one kind of short because I feel like we cover this almost every week. Any <laughs> Tyler updates? Think he plays this year? Yes, but it's going to be a while from now. Yep, agreed. He's and he will be. Up. And I, you know, I get drafting him. I kind of get the people drafting late in fantasy, but when you look at quarterbacks coming off major knee injuries like this, especially running quarterbacks, they just don't run. They just don't. They, these guys don't run. And Kyler without rushing production is not something I want to see on my fantasy football roster. So I'm not – I don't. I, even as low cost – in Dynasty, it's different. In Dynasty, it's totally different. But in redraft specifically, I don't get taking shots like Kyler. I would rather take it on somebody else. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think the rushing is going to be there at all. It just never is for those quarterbacks. Usually it's not. I so, do worry. What if he's on another team next year? Oh. I would not like that. Is like genuinely what I think will happen. I think he will get traded. I think they will draft Caleb Williams. Yeah. What if he goes to Atlanta? That's my prediction. Huh. I think Atlanta. I, I think I think Minnesota would also be really interesting if they get rid of Kirk Cousins. Which Tyler, I know you've said that you think that Kirk Cousins is gone after this year. I think. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be the 49ers starting quarterback. In yes, we all know that. Yeah. Do you think the Vikings would trade for Kyler Murray? Uh, I don't see them doing that. No. No. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like their style. I think they'd be more likely to trade for someone cheaper. That's fair. 
Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's definitely there. There's I think that in the prediction for me is like highly illustrated. That's it. Here we got thinking, some oh. peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. What are you guys thinking about Andre? What's his yes, last name. And and Puka Nakua. Mr. Princeton. He's smart. We know that. Now I I think he's he was a a really what I what impressed me about Andre was his he was a patient route runner against zone defenses. He he wasn't afraid to work through traffic. He had a lot of concentration drops. He let the ball get into his body. I felt like his combine speed did not translate at all onto film. Uh, I'm not really high on him at all. Um, I do think there's a world where Fukunukua can be a useful player, especially Actually, McVay's yeah. good at finding those those kind of diamonds in the rough. And I think there's potential that like he could overtake a you know a Jefferson or someone like that within the the Rams offense. So if I were between the two of them, I'm taking the the more fun name and the more fun player in Fukunukua. Yeah. Also, I saw a couple clips in practice of Pukunukua making. There were specifically some videos of making him of him making some really good blocks for uh, Cam Akers. And obviously, you know, when you have a, when you're a receiver, being able to block is something that coaches like uh, sometimes. So uh, I think Pukunukua is definitely the more interesting name here. Uh, I'm not really on Andre either. Not really. I actually like uh, Charlie Jones better than I do Asivas. I, I think Charlie Jones is a, a more interesting prospect to me, and and gave some really high end. DB's fits last year, or so um, in college, so that's that's who I would like on the Bengals as my later round kind of wide receiver guy. Yeah, so with later round wide receivers, they're never going to be good because the list of wide receivers who weren't drafted on in the first three rounds that have high end value is very short. It's Alan Ra, Terry Kill, Tyree Kill. And Stefan Dix. And that's it. That's it. The next wide receiver after those three who was not drafted in the first two rounds, you got to go way down. Oh, yeah. It's quite a ways before you get there. I think, I don't think, and even Hill was a running back coming out, right? Like teams are working him out as a running back. And like that's a just a unique one. Yeah. The next one after them is Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 45. So, they're never going to hit. And even Steph- and Tyreek Hill was also fell because of off-field reasons. So when you come to players the NFL just missed on, in the last 15 years, who were really good, you really have three. Amon Ra, Stefan Diggs, Antonio Brown. And that's it. So what's the point of this story? The point of the story is, is that if you're going to pick a wide receiver late, who went late in the draft, you want to pick someone who's going to flash immediately because they're not going to actually be good. So what you want to do is pick someone who flashes who you can then trade. Andre Yoshivash is not going to get on the field at all. No. Unless there's an injury. He's not going to get on the field. He's not going to play. Pukunakua might. So for that reason, I would prefer Pukunakua. And I will tell you that if their landing spots were reversed... I'd have the opposite preference. If you just moved to them, I'd prefer whoever was on in the Rams situation over whoever. They're actually very equal prospects to me. I, I think I'd lean Nakua, but they're not not by much. Yoshivash was a sleeper for me. In the this. Process. Charlie Jones, throw on his game against Joey Porter, 
and you'll see why I didn't have Joey yeah, Porter as a first round grade. But Charlie Jones is injured, not participating in anything. And Labrum, yep. So yep. he's he's yeah. never going to get a chance, unfortunately. A rough floor finish for Jordan Burnett. Let's assume that he's safe, healthy, and plays like a floor. Outside the top 50. It's never a guarantee. Yeah, it's a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, it's never a guarantee. For yeah. rookie wide receivers, I mean, most of them are better, but it is never a guarantee. You have first-round rookies who are bad all the time. Maybe not so much yep. recently. Recently, we've been spoiled. But remember that very Jalen much spoiled. exists. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager in 2020. But the last two years, we've been very spoiled. I mean, the last two years, there really have not been busts. Have there? Not really, right? Not busts. I mean, Jahan Dotson, I mean, how good was he? Over Where did he finish? Like 40? 45? Jamie Stern, though, because Jahan Dotson also had seven James touchdowns. Was hurt, though. He didn't yeah, he was hurt. He didn't play. He didn't he expect hurt. him to do it. But last year, every wide receiver in the first round, the other ones were all really good as rookies. He's spoiled. Yeah. Jalen Rager's do happen. So, yeah, the floor finish is nothing. He's outside the top 50, 60. Absolutely. Yep, possible. My realistic floor for him, though, is I'm going to say like 750 yards, four touchdowns. I expect a good season from Jordan Addison. Like but days, to your point, like rookie floor is. Five in points per game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's the sad reality is without the high touchdowns, he needs either a lot of yards or a lot of catches. And, yeah, I like um, Jordan yeah. Addison. But I think that it's tough. He's someone who's very talented, but the situation is 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 rough. It's rough if you know, I assume Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson are going to receive long-term extensions. And the best case scenario is that Kirk Cousins is the quarterback because the alternatives are not better. You're not going to find a no. quarterback who's better for fantasy than Kirk Cousins unless you get someone elite. Like Kyler Murray is not better for fantasy than Kirk. Cousins. Kyler Murray himself is better, but he's not better for his receivers than Kirk Cousins is because Kirk Probably Cousins not, no. run. Kirk Cousins will have more passing yards than Kyler Murray. So it's actually very hard to find a quarterback who's good for like a guaranteed 4,000 to 4,500 passing yards, will throw touchdowns, and does not run. There are not many of those. The Vikings no, not. were receivers were one and two in routes run. Their wide receiver two was second in routes run in the NFL out of field. Yep. So it's one of the best situations. It's huge. But what if Kirk Cousins goes away and it's replaced with Trey Lance? Then it doesn't sound so good. <laughs> then it doesn't sound no. so good. So no. it's always a risk when you are on a team with someone like Justin Jefferson, who is just impeccable, that if you ever get a bad quarterback, you're just you're just screwed. You're screwed. You can't be that good. So that, that's the risk long-term with Jordan Addison. So Don Kincaid is kind of sneaky old. Affect his dynasty ceiling or no? No. I, much, tight yeah. ends have a very long career path, so no. Yeah. It's, it's a really long like, They can play into I mean, the 30s a little bit. For a running I guess, back, I would factor it. But for a yeah, tight for end, running backs. Really. No, yeah. For running back, he's going to be twenty-four mid-season, though. I think that I mean that that's not nothing, but I think for me, you're playing with Josh Allen. He has a, I mean, that's a 
as good of an offense as you can step into as a as a tight end. So the comparables yeah, not, not much. Are, are like Dallas Goddard, George Kittle, who are still four plus years older, six years older. It's, yep. it's not. Yeah. It, it's really not a big deal. Not at all. All right, last question, and then we get to get into some stuff with Hutch. Tank Dell, Jonathan Mingo, or Mims Jr.? Mims. Mims is the only good prospect on this list. The other two are terrible. Terrible prospects. Mims. Yeah. I don't care that the other two have flashed in the preseason. Mims is just so much I would better. I, I, I think De- Dell is not – Dell is – it's not Dell for me, but I would take Mims – there are just no players me. like Tank Dell who have really ever been good. He he is starting to intrigue well. me though, but he is the outlier. He would, I'd g- give he me would, the six two the two twenty four four six slot. Tank Dell, it's hard to bet on a player who would be the first ever. For someone who's going to be the first ever, I kind of have to. I see. mean, Devontae Smith is pretty good. He weighs like one seventy. Like he's no, close. Tank Dell is not Devonta Smith. Tank, Tank Dell is not close to that anyway. He's five eight. Devonta Smith is almost six feet. Yeah. Devonta Smith also destroyed the SEC and put up like video game numbers. Trophy. Yeah. You know there are other things. Marvin Mims is not exactly large. He made Mac Jones look great. No, five eleven, one seventy seven. Yeah, That's what like I'm saying. Dell With this one, it's so small that he would be the first ever, and that didn't work for Tutu Apple. So, I, I think I almost gonna, made my two I'm going to have skepticism on Tank Dell until I see him producing. Fan- I need to see him producing. How much does Tank Dell weigh again? I mean, not Tank Dell. How much does Tutu Atwell weigh again? Wasn't he like one? 160. Yeah. Tank Dell's like slightly bigger, but I'm almost 150. Yeah. He, he weighed I mean, Tavon Austin was 5'8, 185 and did nothing in the NFL and was as. He was the, like, the human joystick smaller, coming yeah. out. Yeah. He's even smaller Tank than Dell's that. Yeah. He's giving will, 17, 18 pounds on that 185. I will say with those three, I want the I think Jonathan Mingo is going to be used as a possession slot receiver. And I think it's 6'2, 220 with a 4'4, 640 out of those three guys. And I know a lot of people like Mims, but I'm I'm big on size. Like I want you to be having the opportunity to be that alpha Mingo wide receiver. One of these three that I could re- like that has the biggest chances of being number one wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. He's the only one I think out he's of those three that has the chance of doing yeah. that. Mims has the easiest path to being fantasy relevant. Mingo's got the higher ceiling to me. I usually go with the I higher ceiling, ceiling out of those guys. So I'd go Mingo. I would agree there. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Mims being a number one, especially with Judy there, if they give him extension and yeah, you know, I, I would go if I would go, I would still go with Mims. I would still go with Mims. I trust the talent much more. I don't trust the talent of Mingo at all, but I would just play devil's advocate with Mingo and say he does have the higher ceiling. Mingo has a significantly higher ceiling, but yeah. I think that in two, year, two years, Jonathan Mingo is not going to be starting in the NFL. And I think Marvin Mims absolutely will be. Yeah. I, go with Marvin I think that's fair. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Jonathan Mingo. Prospect profile says bust on every single metric, essentially. Whereas Marvin Mims, every pretty much every indicator says he's going to be good. Yeah, Marvin Mims. So really, for that really reason, I have to go with Marvin Mims. Also, we'll say with Marvin Mims, Tim Patrick getting hurt again helps because this gives Marvin Mims a path to see the field. Mm-hmm. Does not necessarily he's going to produce, but see the field. We're going to see 
him in the NFL. We're going to see if he can really, we're going to have some more information than we would have had otherwise. Because they don't really have anyone at wide receiver three. So Marvin Mims is going to be that now. Marvin Mims can be the number two in that offense if Cortland Sutton really is that dead in the water. Uh, well, he is, he is just, uh, he's just disastrous right now. Cortland Sutton is terrible, but I think he'll trot out there as the least efficient real starting X wide receiver in football for like the fourth year running. That's what he is. I mean, it's, he is one of the worst receivers who's gotten this much opportunity maybe ever who's had this much opportunity, this many chances. And that would be that bad. There really is no one else who's had yeah, he's been that many targets and has been as poor as he has on all of them. That Cortland Sutton. Name one. It's really tough to have someone who actually retained their target share despite sucking so much. He did put up a thousand yard season. But he was terrible. He wasn't he was very terrible. Uh, but he, that's an understatement of the century. Can't separate. <laughs> Doesn't do well with contested catches. Catch rate is horrible. Can't run routes. What can he do? Be tall? That's it. Can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like if Mike Evans were terrible at football. That's what Cortland Sutton is. Terrible. Um, NFL teams are learning from that. They're not employing players like this anymore, if you've noticed. They don't employ players who are just tall and who are bad at football. They don't get employed. We're noticing a lot smaller receivers coming into the NFL because size is not everything. You're better off with the 5'11", 200 guy who can play over the 6'4", 230 guy who can't. Uh, made a trade in my Dynasty League. Moved Javante in a 24 first and received Brees in a 25 third. Uh, what do we think about that? That's that's it's close, but uh, I think I'd, I think I'd take Hall. If it's a mid to late first, I think I'd take Hall, but it's it's definitely there's our background. It's definitely, I I I don't think it's like insanely. I don't think it's insanely like Hall. I lean Hall, but this is getting closer. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Javante's rising in value for me. He really is. Yeah, but Javante would lean Hall. Uh, Hutch. Tell us about the FF Expo, an intro segment three over an hour and a half into the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, neither of you guys went, right? No one else on this show no, went. Nobody right? else nah. on the show at all went. Yeah, so for those of you who haven't heard, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo, Bob, shout out to Bob Long, who puts it together every year for the past four years. It's basically a convention out in Canton, Ohio, right next to the Hall of Fame. And it's where fantasy football analysts, fantasy football fans, or just football fans in general can meet up, interact, and party. There's tons of events everywhere. It's, Really a fantastic weekend that Bob Lung puts together. And if you have not been, I suggest you go next year. The dates for next year are August 9th, are August 9th through 11th, that weekend. Should I so go? I'm... Tyler, here's I'll go if you go, Tyler. I'll go if you go next year. You I'll will. Go you Tyler, go. I will. Knowing that, will you, will knowing... you take me there? <laughs> yeah, maybe we can you try it. Actually, that's not a bad idea. That's, that's drivable distance. Saying, knowing what you were saying to me about how you felt about crowds of the live of the live draft for the Scott Fishbowl, I feel like you'd hate the Expo. Probably. I feel like you'd hate it. There's just like the entire weekend just talking to people. That's what it is the entire time. It's funny. I'm a very extroverted person, but I'm also kind of antisocial. It's very weird. Very weird combination. Like, 
I, I like hanging out with people who like me because then I can kind of be mean, which is like my actual self as this is my real personality. It's not an actor. Uh -huh. um, Hutch knows. He's met me. Oh, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> just as I am on the show. Not mean, but you know what I mean. I, uh, I'm, I'm like this. And it doesn't always go great. Uh, and I don't really like large crowds, a lot of strangers and stuff like that. Yeah, so oh, no, probably no, wouldn't love Expo, it. The Expo last year was like 500 to 1,000 people there. It was a lot of people. Like wow. it was, it was a giant crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. And how was Dez? What? How yeah. So I, mean, I was just about to get into that. So yeah, there was a. So the last two years there's been a flag football tournament, and this year Des Bryant. I mean, obviously you all know who Des Bryant is. <laughs> we all know is. who that is. Yeah. I all know who Des Bryant is. Uh, if you don't look, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock for a while, look it up. Des Bryant, uh, <laughs> future Hall of Fame wide receiver. This show and doesn't know who Des. Bryant I don't know. I don't know. There are some people who are. There are some people who are just dumb. There are some people who are just dumb. I don't, and don't, know I don't think that's it's a fine. population. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, so Des Bryant put together a team with his company, Personal Corner. Really great company, by the way. Do they do good stuff uh, and good fantasy content as well? They do all kinds. Des Bryant does really fun stuff in the fantasy. I'm looking community, for a but... job, by the way. What? If Personal Corner is listening. I'm looking for a job. Call me. Shout out, yeah. Uh, but Des Bryant, anyways, he put together a personal corner team for the flag football tournament. He was going to play. And he ended up playing quarterback all day, going easy on everybody, and he still ended up winning the tournament. That's he looked horrible as a quarterback. I mean, his he was fine accuracy-wise, but his form was terrible. And he was also throwing left-handed. It looked weird. But he, no no offense to Des if you're listening to this, but the quarterback form was definitely not NFL ready. It definitely did not look like an NFL quarterback or a quarterback at all. But uh, they ended up winning the oh, tournament, yeah. and... I actually catch him alone for a second. I mean, Des, Des was actually really impressive to watch at the Fantasy Football Expo. He was so nice and so kind, and just he looked so happy to be there. And he and you could see it on his Twitter account. You could see it in the videos he made on Twitter. He was really just happy to be there, and he was signing autographs, taking pictures left and right, talking to people. Uh -huh. I yeah, he was he was like you know how you think of a celebrity where it's like oh they might be really mean to people in public. You know you think about that. They're like yeah. really actually like they look cool on TV, but actually they're really mean. Like Des Ellen. was the opposite. Like, <laughs> sure, you can shout out Ellen. Yeah. Des was the opposite of that. Des was just the kindest, like one of the kindest like people you could ever meet. Like one of the kindest celebrities you could probably ever meet. But anyways, I catch him a moment alone. He's tossing football with a buddy. And I just start talking to him. I introduce myself. And I I mean, I um I listen to the personal corner spaces he does with Luke every Monday evening, pretty much. And I, I love listening to him. I love seeing him on Twitter on this fancy football stuff. So I tell him I'm a big fan. And uh, I tell him a little bit about me and what I do fantasy football content creation wise. And he thought it was really, really cool. And we started talking and uh, he, at the end, he said, dude, we're going to get you on a personal corner space. And oh. it was like, it was like, it was just insane. And I was like, that would be incredible. Thank you so much. And we got a picture together and it was really, really great. I, I did post it on Twitter. You could find it somewhere. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. I saw it. It's probably buried by now because I posted so many things from the expo. But he actually quote tweeted it when I posted that Aww. picture, and he said, you "Gain a lot of followers from that." A couple hundred over the weekend, yeah. Oh, but uh, he quote tweeted it. But he really interesting. He said, uh, "He said he was something like it was awesome meeting you." And then right below it, he said, "PC Weekly Show with a question mark." Ooh. corner Weekly Show. And ever since he's been liking a lot of my tweets, following my stuff, we've interacted a couple times on Twitter. Uh, I have a DM waiting for him for an idea for a personal corner show. Uh, I haven't got, he hasn't gotten back to me yet. So we're still waiting on that, but 
there might be a, some content creation coming with Des Bryant too, which would be. I mean, Des cool. follows me. You want me to invite him? He on does follow me. He did. He did follow me. You know what he hurt? You know what hurt? I actually tagged Tyler in a post with Des Bryant asking Des to come on this show, and he followed Tyler. I got nothing. <laughs> wow! It hurt. It hurt. Wow. It hurt. He's like, I'll follow one guy, not that guy. <laughs> oh, wow. No, but much love to Des. I played in the, uh, he had a uh, tournament that he did on Sleeper last year. There were like 12 divisions and I ended up winning my division in it and got to uh, get like a free invite to, or an automatic bid into the Scott Fishbowl and stuff like that. So it was, a, it was a good time and it was fun having him in the space and starting to get involved. So hopefully he continues to uh, make that impact in the fantasy yeah, he was, community. He was excellent. Like I, I, I watched some of the people talk and he looked really nice, but to talk to him in person, like he was so nice. He was truly just so, so nice. And it was unbelievable. Well, we're lucky, yeah, you know, we're lucky that we have such someone so high profile promoting the community. Yeah. Um, and he seems sure. like a very genuine person. And I, I really love is. Yeah. Very appreciative of the fantasy community. And, you know, a lot yeah. of NFL players aren't. So it's it's nice to yeah, they all a lot of them hate us. Uh, a lot of them do. They hate Josh us Jacobs. nerds. Josh Jacobs uh has me blocked on Twitter. I said <laughs> I think I figured out why. He searches he, his name because I've never tagged him. I hmm. said Josh Jacobs should show up to camp <laughs> and collect his eleven million dollars that is gonna be pulled off the table very soon uh if he doesn't appear. And he didn't like that. So, no. me. Uh, oh well. Scribble says Cortland Sutton is gonna finish top twelve. Who's with me? Uh, not no me. one. No one. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring back. You know what? He was a guest on this show at some point. Uh, I will bring back uh, 2022. Andrew Erickson can be with you. Um, nice. you know, one of my favorite yeah. guests I've had on this show. But that uh, that was a whopper. That was a whopper. Um, I did like that last year as well. I thought he was. He, I, I, yeah. I targeted. I hated him. Last I targeted year. a little bit, but I targeted both him and Judy. I, I begged got, people oh. not to draft him. Yeah, I was like so out on Cortland Sutton. I had the same speech uh, as last year, as this year. So where are we? Did we even get to? Oh, the preseason takeaways. We're not getting to. I don't think we're getting to the redraft wide receiver discussion. That's okay. We can push that back until next week. We'll give it another try. <laughs> so preseason takeaways so hutch you had a bunch of them tell me about uh your this thing about damian pierce so yeah i mean damian pierce when you look at the stats for the texans this past week in preseason he got no touches no action nothing that's for good, damian right? pierce what that's good that's couldn't be better. It couldn't be better for Damian Pierce because Devin Singletary is out there getting some touches and uh, it shows that the Texans clearly value him as their RB1. He's their clear-cut guy and they don't... Because he's not injured. He's not holding out. He's 100% fine to play. There's no problems whatsoever. But they decided, nope, we're not going to play him because we value him as our RB1 and we have big plans for him this season. Usually you see stud running backs like workhorse running backs or like close to workhorse running backs get this level of treatment. Like guys like Saquon McCaffrey will probably get that treatment this year. Damian Pierce is getting it. And if Damian Pierce can get a close to workhorse role, obviously no running backs get workhorse roles anymore, but if he can get a big time workload with a little bit of passing work sprinkle in, because he did flash as a pass catcher last year, I feel like it's very underrated part of his game. He did flash that in that area last year. If he can get a 
really nice workload in both areas of the game. Bless you, Tyler. Uh, he will be <laughs> a he will be a fantastic fantasy ball running back with the talent he has and the aggression he runs with. With that coaching staff that knows how to make a running game work and knows how to play good defense, like this could be a really big breakout year for Damian Pierce. And he's like his ADP isn't moving up because no, no one's not. no one's paying attention. To Which this. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Damian no Pierce and Brian Robinson are two guys that have had great rookie seasons, continue to the momentum into training camp, have solidified number one roles. And they're just ADPs are just both set. Now, Damien Pierce certainly on a different level, but you know Brian yes. Robinson also recovered from a gunshot wound and, and played Brian it. Robinson, very low. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, they no, the I staff. He is getting such a large workload though this year that I feel like he's gonna beat his ADP. I don't think he's got the upside of a Damien Pierce, but those guys just from an ADP perspective, well, I Damian end Pierce up with a lot of it. shares of. I can see a world where Damien Pierce is a top five back this year. His talent is just on a different level. The aggression he runs with is just on a different level. He could get there. Or near there. He can get near there. I don't think he's got the receiving upside to get there, and I think it's the same with Brian Robinson. I think that'll both the, both those guys will because be limited to that. But Yeah, it's, it's fair. Because, yeah, he's probably not going to be like a 50-catch kind of guy, and the off, the offense isn't going to be – uh, unless, yeah. unless he is has a ridiculous season, which I don't know how he does it with that receiving core. I don't see it he as probably, the, Yeah, he probably will be limited in the touchdown range. I think that too, so. top five might be a Stratt, top 10. Probably get to 10. Yeah, but he can get not much above that. Um, yeah, and then Hutch, you also talked about the some stuff with the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I was not like when you look at it, I'm not worried. Like, I don't care about struggles with rookie quarterbacks in the first couple of games. Like, you know, Cedar Shaw, Anthony Richardson, some people were like legit, like concerned about them. I've seen Twitter everywhere. I mean, Twitter's a wild place, but there are some people that are legit concerned about. Uh, CJ Stroud, especially watching him throw that interception, uh, watching him be a little panicked in the pocket. Don't be worried at all. There's just no preseason before they've played in a real NFL game. It's the first Jeez. week. It's the first week of preseason. It doesn't so matter bad that the Colts named him the starter after that performance. So yeah, exactly. Like what? Like come on. Like there's just no there's no reason to worry. There's no reason to worry. Right. Well, I did right. like Not. though. Bryce Young. He played well. Bryce Young played well. He played well. But I loved seeing him. Because rookie quarterbacks, especially when you look at younger guys, when you take big hits, sometimes it gets really scary for them. You know, standing in the pocket, being caught for the pocket after taking a couple big hits is really hard for a younger quarterback. Bryce Young had that pocket poise. He really did. And he took some brutal hits, but made some really accurate throws while taking hits. Stood confident in the pocket. Wasn't playing fragile. He looked really good in the pocket. I was really impressed. That is why he was drafted where he was because yeah. Bryce Young, that is his special I, it factor. He does not get flustered in the pocket. He He's very issue. smart. He's so polished. He is yeah. so polished. He does not get like, I love seeing the, he was under pressure all game and he was to be able to keep going with it. And he had a really nice, he had a really solid game that yeah. he, when he played in the snap, really solid game. Ryan, I do. You did love put these on the show sheet. So I want to give you the opportunity to talk about them. Go for it. Ryan. The redraft wide receiver discussion. <laughs> which we're now getting to our 45 minutes. In. Tell me why you think the Michael Pittman hate has gone too far. I think Michael, uh, we talked about it a lot on the show and I've lowered his ADP. And then I started looking to where I lowered it. And I still feel like he's going to get the volume in the offense. I still think he's going to be the focal point 
uh, from a receiving perspective. And I, I think that because I think he's getting hurt a little bit too much on the rookie quarterback piece. I don't think Anthony Richardson's going to be bad enough where he should be falling outside of the top 20, 25 guys from a redraft perspective. I wow. see him going at like 34 in some instances and like dropping pretty far. Pittman to me has a lot of upside from there. And I think he's going to give you steady value. So I think we've gotten to the point and I'm down on him a little bit too. He's not very high in my rankings, but I do think, think the hate has gotten a little bit too far. And if Anthony Richardson's anything as a passer, that Pittman's going to outperform where he's getting drafted right now. I think it's fair to go for it. Sorry, is that most rookie quarterbacks don't support a top 35 wide receiver. And the ones that most do are usually are really good. Do not are usually the ones that do are usually elite passers as rookies, Justin Herbert, or they have a receiver who was already elite. This is neither of those. It's neither of them. Anthony Richardson as a rookie, I can tell you, is not going to be an elite passer. So yeah, exactly. Is that he runs a lot and is great for fantasy, but he's not going to be an elite passer as a rookie. He could develop into that in his career. But as a rookie, Anthony Richardson was a horrible, horrific, horrific college passer. He's not going to be elite or even good. He's going to be bad as a passer, as a rookie. Michael Pittman is not elite. I think it's very clear. He wasn't elite last year. He so was inefficient on his volume. He didn't do enough on those targets, and he's never hit that elite range. However, he's good. It's hard. I can't rank Michael Pittman at 40. I just think that he's too good to be ranked at 40. I have him ranked at 30, which is my way of compromising. I can't picture a world, and I, I may be dead-ass wrong on this, I can't picture a world with his reception totals that he has from a volume perspective to put up that he doesn't finish in a top 30. I mean, he played with Carson Wentz, who was pretty miserable when he played with Carson Wentz and put up 88 and over a thousand. He played with Matt Ryan, who did not look good last year at all. And a bunch of backups and put up 99 receptions for 925. That is a volume-based receiver. It almost reminds me of like Jarvis Landry back in the day when he'd get a lot of hate and people would always fade him and then he'd always end up as a top 20 guy because he'd get the volume. That's what Michael Pittman feels like to me in this situation. So I do think the value, I think he's a value at where he is now. I think he keeps slipping. He keeps falling because everyone's worried about it. At the end of the day, there's a small group of receivers that can put up 80, 90 plus receptions in fantasy football. Michael Pittman's one of them. So I do think the hate's gone too far. Here's the problem. Would you take the over or under on Anthony Richardson at 38-54 passing yards? Under. At, what, what's the line? 38 That's 54. my line. 3,854. You want the over or the under? I think I know you're going with this, passing and I was about yards. to go the same direction, Tyler. I'd probably go the under. I'd go oh, the under by a lot. How about 35-88? Under. You want the over or the under? I'd take the under on 3,000. Take the under on 3,000. Yep. The biggest line's around 3,200. I, I, I take the under. I think he's like, I mean, I think it'll be right around 3,000. Assuming he starts. Why, do we, mean, all love, why do we all love Darren Waller as a tight end in this offense? And everyone's talking about him with a guy who's not gone over 3,200 yards, hasn't supported that offense. Because he plays tight end. Because yes, because there's men that's different than that's playing why. receiver. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, you can play tight end. There are very few tight ends. That's why. That's that's the only reason. 
to be a good tight end in fantasy if Darren Waller has the stats I'm giving Michael Pittman. He's a top five tight end. Yeah. No, I get that. I'm not. I think people are starting to talk about him as like Darren Waller should be the number two tight end. I heard people. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Someone said Darren Waller should be the. I don't agree with that either. I I don't agree with that. But so I'm I think, you, but if, if I do think gets, Pittman's going to be a lock for twenty top twenty five. I, I genuinely think that. Well, so I think that that is where the hate has gotten too far. I don't think he's going to be a top twelve guy, maybe not top fifteen yeah. kind of guy like he's had that opportunity to be. But in PPR, no Ryan, I just have a quick question. Like Ryan, I genuinely like I genuinely want to just play something out real quick. So, so we're thinking, where are we thinking Anthony Richardson's passing yards? Because his prop is at thirty two hundred. Is that do we want to call? I think that's I think that's fair for thirty two hundred. Like 3,200? number for me, 3,200, yeah. 3,200. Okay, so what do we expect Pittman's target share to be? What is it, has it been the last years? It's been around, like, has it been around? 3,200, for the record, is 188 passing yards a game, which I think is a good number. That's I, I really solid. Do. That's yeah. a solid number. That's a number that's doable, but he could go under that. He could easily go under that this year. I would not be shocked by it. He hit 50% completion in college. Like, that wouldn't be surprised by it. What's Pittman's target share been around the last few years? I actually don't. I feel like it's... I've. As far as last year, he had 141 out of 25.6%. 25.6. Yeah. So if you do the math, so 3,200 times 0.25, it's 800 yards. So we're looking at 800 receiving yards. And if we're looking at a very low touchdown percentage, because Anthony Rich is not going to be throwing like 25 plus touchdowns, that's just not going to be his range. He's probably going to throw under 20. The only thing I'll fight back on that is yes, you could apply the 25% to. Not all targets are created equal, though. So you get a lot of dump offs to running backs that he eat up at that target share. So I think if he could keep that 25% target share, I think he's pretty much a lock for 900 yards. And that's where I start to say, when you talk about a PPR league, I think he's a lock for top 25. I'll be very surprised, me personally, very, very surprised if Michael Pittman is outside the top 25 in a PPR league. So for me... He's more likely to be out of the top 40 than in the top Interesting. I would agree with that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, because like when you look at the like, just look at the number. Like, if you say thirty-two hundred passing over, which is fair, but he could finish lower than that. He could go lower than that easily, Anthony Richardson this year. And you look at twenty-five percent target share. That's a really high target share for a wide receiver. Really high. That's eight hundred receiving yards. And we know Anthony Richardson not throwing many touchdowns. And the before. other problem with Michael Pittman is if you look at him last year, he was not efficient. No, not, not at all. That he was inefficient. The whole offense was bad. But he wasn't efficient compared to the other receivers. He wasn't efficient compared to the other receivers, and that's scary. He didn't really record a lot of yards per target. It's not like he was significantly better in terms of his catch rate than Paris Campbell. It's just what is so special there? It didn't show up in the numbers. It did not show up in last year's numbers. So we're hoping that the talent comes together with a rookie quarterback. I'm going to have to... Wide receivers deep this year. It's very deep. There's a lot of good players. I mean, if you look at who I have, I have Michael Pittman at 30. I have Chris Godwin at 25. I mean, I think that's a better bet because I'd rather take the Baker Mayfield passing yards, even though it's bad. Like Jerry Judy, I think pretty easily most people would have ahead of Michael Pittman at this point. And then you have other guys in kind of similar situations like Deontay Johnson. I'd rather take my chances on the second year quarterback and the one who has a better history of volume. So yeah, I, just, I can't, I just can't, I, I, I get just it. think it, it's just such a low 
passing yards that he's had surrounding him the last two years, though. It's not like these guys are throwing for like 3,800 yards or anything like that or 4,000 yards on teams he's played on. So I think the floor for the regression is like, I think we're overselling what that regression may be because he's had such bad quarterback play for the last two years already. These aren't high. It's not like he went from a 4,500-yard passer to Anthony Richardson. He's going from low low yardage totals to maybe 3,200. Like, okay, take off 100 yards from him maybe at, at best. So last year, Michael so I, was I, the wide receiver 24 in fantasy points per game. And I expect it to be worse. So 30 is good for me. 30 is good. I, I think, honestly, if I really ranked, if I just looked at the numbers and didn't have Michael Pittman, the player in my head, I would write Michael Pittman in the fours. And that's what, where the fantasy footballers have him ranked. So it's not crazy. Yeah. I would, if no, I, I don't just think it's crazy. Okay. I just think I, I personally high, will own a lot of shares. He'd be in the 40s. The yeah, only reason when he's you... higher is because that I know I have extra knowledge beyond the stats that say that Michael Pittman is good. He looks good. He plays well. He does look the part of a good wide receiver in the NFL. But that's the only reason he's even at 30. Yeah, but the thing is, Number say he should be lower, not higher. Even when you talk about Michael Pittman and his ADP, you, you talk about him. Where is he going? Like, wide receiver 35-ish, wide receiver 40. Of course. yeah. Yeah, that's where he's going, right? Like, you you could put aside, like, maybe he is a tad undervalued. Maybe he finishes a wide receiver 30. Maybe he gets, like, wide receiver 28. There is no ceiling, though. Where is he going to go at from wide receiver 30? Though, it's good There's enough. just none. There's at just no ceiling. it's good enough, though. At 35, and you, if you take no. him and he finishes as at wide receiver 25, there's value. The problem is yeah. I can't really rank him above 30 because if I think the ceiling is 20, 20 at best, really, I'd say is the ceiling. 20 in points per game is everything is perfect and it's 20. I can't say if 20 is the ceiling, 30 is the best I can do. And like I said, the bias is toward that I know he's good. And otherwise, if it were just based on the numbers, he'd be in the 40s. He'd have to be. Yeah, and I don't hate the 30. I think once he starts getting into 34, 35, outside 40, like, and there are people ranking him there, that's where I think it's gone too far. I don't, I, 30, I think, is probably fair. Yeah, I have yeah, a little bit higher, but I do think the people who are putting him in the late 30s, 40s are out of their mind. Just my, For me, my opinion. Talent says he should be around 20. The situation says he should be around 40. Compromise, you put him at 30. That's that's where kind of I've reached. Yeah, his, his, his talent just isn't en- like he's talented, but his talent isn't enough to just break through Anthony Richardson. Exactly. It's if I not think he's enough. the 20th best wide receiver in the NFL, then his talent is not good enough to break through a horrific situation. Exactly. It's not. I'm on the like same. He's not. He's not. He's not a guy like Justin Jefferson or like Jamar Chase or or one of these guys or Devonta Adams who can play with that. Like Devonta Adams, we all like some people were concerned about the downgrade from Aaron Rodgers to not Derek Carr, and did it matter? Because he was that he he's just such a difference maker. Michael Pittman isn't that level. The, the situation is actually going to impact him. He's not that elite wide receiver. Oh, you're gonna. Do you have commanders? No, I'll, I'll, I'll stick on for this, and then I'll yeah. drop. I figured you would like this. Yeah. Terry McLaurin can absolutely break top twenty. He has broken top twenty already with way worse quarterback play. The offense looked. I don't know if anybody's paid attention in the last couple of days. 
they've done really well against the Ravens defense in these, uh, in these joint practices. It's the first time the offense has ever looked good in a joint practice um, that I can remember as a commander's fan. I think the enemy's high energy guy that's brought a lot to this offense. I think he's going to be great for McLaurin. I think Howell's going to be as stable of quarterback play, if not better. And I, I think it's definitely going to be better than what McLaurin's thought. I think Absolutely. I, I expect him to break top 20, not can he break top 20. I'd be surprised if he doesn't break top 20 at this point. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy's offense, It's. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to do something really smart here with Sam Howell, a young quarterback who might be struggling. He's going to say, throw it to number one and throw it to number 17. And don't, don't forget about it. Just forget about everybody else. Like I think it's throw it to the open guys, throw it to the most talented receivers and let them do the work. And McLaurin and Dotson are going to be able to have some success. Yeah. And obviously, the quarterbacks will hold them back. Percent and McLaurin doesn't even have to be open to make plays. Yeah, like we saw that multiple times. Passing yards in yeah, Verstappen will be better for fantasy than Sam Howell. I think that's I think no, that's actually well. True. I think Sam Howell has a higher ceiling, but yeah, higher ceiling. But if he... is fine. So even yes. with Brissett, McLaurin could break top twenty. The reason I've been out oh, yeah. of McLaurin for dynasty is age, and that he's not gonna he's McLaurin's not gonna be top ten uh, without the elite quarterback. So if he's already turning 28 in the season, I'm out for dynasty dynasty for that reason. No yep. ceiling, no high end ceiling and old. So not in, in dynasty, but in redraft, I mean, I have McLaurin ranked at 22. So if I have him ranked at 22, obviously he can break the top 20. Yeah. I would say the ceiling is around 10 or 11 best case scenario. Realistically, it's probably more like 14 or 15. Yeah. I, I, that's I, fair. Find, I think it would have to be pretty perfect with every touchdown regression going his way to be in, to break wide receiver one, but 14 or 15 is a realistic ceiling. And yeah, Terry McLaurin's floor is a lot higher than Michael Pittman. Terry McLaurin, healthy Terry McLaurin's yep. not going to be outside the top, you know, 30 in fantasy points per game at worst. If everything goes wrong, realistic floor is probably more like 25, 26 in fantasy points per game. He's not going to be worse than that. Even if everything goes yeah. wrong. So, yeah, I mean, even last year, McLaurin was, McLaurin was the 14th overall wide receiver last year in PPR. He was in the top 25 the year before. I forget exactly where it was. Yeah. I'm trying to, he was actually the 25th I'm, the year before. So I think that like the floor is pretty low with McLaurin as well. Um, and I think you're going to get better quarterback play than he's ever seen. So, I mean, he's gone 20, 25, 14 the last three years. Absolutely can break that top 20. He's he's someone that I I'm not super in on compared to his price, but he can absolutely break the top twenty, even if I don't have him ranked there. Yeah, he could definitely. Um, I think we're done, right? It's been a wonderful evening, guys. Yeah. Please, if you're if you're oh. listening, come follow me on Twitter. I want to talk pizza with you guys. I want to talk pizza. fantasy football at what Gibbs FF. Let's go. Come follow me. Oh wait, last quick question for you guys. Just a quick answer. Did you guys see Anthony Richardson's rap video? No. And so what'd you think? I did not. No, I did not. you need to find it. You need to find the I will going. look for that. No, you need to find it. I will it. look it's for it tonight. Great. It's great. I'll look for it. If you yeah, stick, it's, if you it's stuck all with us over this, Twitter, you'll find it. You'll if find you stuck it. with us this long, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell. Donate to the Venmo if you want to support me. Sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash fantasy advice. Watch the Ask Tyler from yesterday. I posted a link. It's the most viewed Ask Tyler that we've ever had. And um, we'll have this every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back next week, and uh, we'll be talking redraft running backs. Maybe it'll take an hour and a half to get there like it did this week. We'll see how much news there is. But until next time, I will see you guys all 
later. Thanks for being a great audience. And thanks everyone. Peace.